Welcome back, everyone, to the latest episode of the Here's Johnny podcast. I am your host, Larry. And I am your other host, Justin. Not only are we finally done with Saw for a couple weeks until we get to Spiral. Like, like two weeks now. Not even. Maybe it's been two weeks. great. Uh, but <laughs> we are joined by our patron, Ginger Thrust, better known to us as Marcus. Go ahead and say hi, buddy. What's up, everybody? How's it going? So we have done several things with you. You've played Dead by Daily with us on the stream. You uh, had us on for the Game Awards to come hang out with you. But besides that, why don't you tell our listeners who maybe don't know a lot about you, who you are, what you kind of do for a living, because you have a cool job, if I must say so myself. And uh, yeah, just kind of tell people about you. Absolutely. So yeah, as Larry mentioned earlier, my handle on all social media platforms is ginger thrust and my cool job he referenced is i am currently full-time video game streaming i'm a variety streamer on twitch and i do a couple other things too but that's the main thing i do Uh, i play a lot of different things like dead by daylight like you mentioned before Uh, larry and i also know each other from doing a lot of destiny 2 together and um, and besides that i do Apex Legends is probably my only other regular thing I play. And then I try to do as many story single-player games as possible because that's kind of where I grew up. Sometimes Um, I really enjoy watching you play those, although this is going to be the perfect time for Justin and I to call you out. Uh, We tuned in to watch you play Resident (laughs) Evil 2 Remake one night, and you had a gun that even I don't have, and I have the Platinum. Uh, Why don't you tell us your approach to story-based games? I'm going to tell you my approach to being attacked <laughs> on podcasts. Is what I do. Look, here's what happened, okay? So before Resident Evil Village came out, I wanted to do a very quick playthrough of 0, 1, 2, 3, and 7, okay? Mm-hmm. And I was limited on time. And as many of you know, Resident Evil 2 Remake is a two-scenario game. Yes. So I did the Claire playthrough on normal. Just like did. I watched. I, yeah, I, I you, did it. Yes. So then I started going through the Leon playthrough and for, I don't know why, I think I got intimidated by Mr. X showing up more on his campaign and I decided to spend $5 and get all the infinite ammo guns. So I just kind of rented all of it with the mini gun. I did switch back to regular guns when I entered the nest lab at the end. I told myself, okay, it's time to switch back. Mr. X is dead. (laughs) I can handle this. The but, only uh, so like so for one, I don't I don't have the infinite um, Gatling gun because you have to get an S ranking on hardcore. Like I just I've tried and it's just it's just a little bit too much for me. But I, I'm sure if I put a lot of runs in, but I played too many other games. But I know the moment because me and Justin popped in to watch after recording one night. It was when you like yeah, better get pick up this uh, green herb. I don't know I'm going to need to heal. <laughs> and you're carrying around an infinite Gatling gun. I was like, go oh, you bastard. <laughs> Yeah, I just I I for time's sake I was like okay let me let me just let me just cheese it a little bit. It's it was fine, but I do want to ask you because I know you just finished it uh, within the last few days. What do you think of Village? Spoilers ahead. Go ahead. You're you're free to go. Oh, I'm I'm free on spoilers. Uh huh. I absolutely loved it. Uh, yeah. I think I described it to you, and I've said this to other people too. If Resident Evil Seven is like a new generation of what one and two and kind of three does Mm -hmm. i would say village is like kind of what four did yeah 
Um, and I was really excited, especially there at the end, to figure out that it does actually tie into the overall universe of Resident mm-hmm. Evil with the explanation of Oswald Spencer being just a very small part in it, learning that's where the Umbrella logo came from. Um, just really cool stuff. And so I know that there's probably going to be another one, right? It, I think they're supposed yeah. to be like this is part of a trilogy that they're focusing on. And I cannot wait to see where they take us for the final one. And I'm kind of hoping that they that they bring in some of our favorites like Leon Kennedy and Claire and Jill. Like I want to see a world where all of them come together for like this final epic thing, you know. I know Justin wants to see him die. I don't want to see all of them die. I just want them to have the balls to kill one of the main players. Like they killed, they killed uh, Wesker. Okay, well, <laughs> kill a kill a good guy. Kill Chris. Yeah, but I, I agree with what you said. Like that's what I've kind of been telling people. If they want a no spoiler summary for me, is if four and seven had a baby, it's eight. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been busy with the Destiny. We'll talk about it in a second. But I've been busy with the Destiny grind, so I haven't gone back to finish my platinum, but. I I find it immensely replayable, which is fun. Yeah, I definitely um, I haven't like deleted it or anything. Like, I what what I usually do is like, unless I know for a fact I'm going to replay it. In or, I'm kind of the kind of person that loves to free up hard drive space all the time. So. Yeah, Justin is too. Justin, oh, I'm, I'm the exact same way. Yeah, if once I'm done <laughs> with a game, usually it's like okay, on to the next thing. Yeah, but I have not removed it from my PC yet. So, well, if um, you ever go for the platinum, I guess you're playing PC. Never mind. Unless you're going to go for the platinum and you go for that knife only run, I want to be there with you. Well, that so so Steam has achievements just like oh, okay. console games do. It, it, it's not quite as satisfying. You don't get like a nice little chime, and you don't get points at it or the something. Chime's but, amazing. <laughs> but yeah, well, Steam though, when you get an achievement, it a lot of times it ties into like a little cosmetic thing you can throw on your Steam profile or whatever. Oh, but cool. the knife only is on there and all that other stuff. And I think what I'd, I'll do is I'll play it off stream again if I do it because I stream the entire run through. Yeah. Uh, this time, so I think this time I'll play it off stream because um, I found that like I had to turn some of the graphical stuff down. To, oh really? For the, for the stream, yeah. Um, that game is a beefy game if you try to tune it up to the max as far as like your graphics and stuff go. Okay, because so, I know, Justin, you wrote a review over Forever Classic on the PS5 version. Did you have a similar issue? Oh, no, but I mean, PS, or the PC is always going to hoot look the PS5, or any console, really. Like you, I just you played can, it on PS4, and like I said, the only issue I ever came across is that sometimes it would need to load when I was hauling ass through the village. It would, like, pause me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so, so <laughs> I'm not going to get into the graphical heavy side of it, but just know that like if I tried to turn everything up to max, mm-hmm. it would have been too much for my graphics card. Like my graphics card has a really? certain allocation of resources, and it tells you that when you tune this stuff in the settings, like it tells you it's called a uh, VRAM. It's just mm-hmm. it's like a it's like a numerical tally of like how much stuff you're using, right? So yeah. tuning it up to max would have exceeded how much VRAM I have in the card I have now. Interesting. It looks no. great, so that doesn't surprise me. I'm, I'm sure if you had a, you have a nice PC too, I'm sure you can probably crank that thing up to look. I play, yeah, I played a little bit of it off stream just to test and see what would happen. And when when yeah, when I don't have OBS running in the background and everything, it it ran a lot smoother too. Like it didn't run bad when I was streaming it. It just it looks better when you don't. So I think if I do a second playthrough, it'll be off stream, so I can really experience it. And if you ever try Village of Shadows, let me know. I uh, I attempted it, but even 
with multiple infinite ammo guns and full stats, uh, I wasn't able able to get any further than like twenty minutes into the game. Like I have to, I yeah. have to get the stake fully upgraded because it everything hurts. One Not shot kills. When I feel like I really hate myself, I will definitely <laughs> let you know how that goes. All right, perfect. So, got to know you a little bit, broke the ice, but one of the things we always do with guests the first time they come on the podcast is kind of ask them, like, their tops in horror. So, Marcus, I have to know, what is your favorite scary movie? And why is it The Giver? <laughs> <laughs> scary bad um <laughs> i i love the fact that like so far in this season i i've somehow held like what was a worst movie or worst game i think both yeah we, we, yeah we, we have, we've been wondering we'll get there we've been we'll wondering there. if you've been trying to like punish us <laughs> i'm not i promise it's just the it's i, I do try to be a little different that like the, I don't the, uh, the rampage playthrough i know for justin that if you I go know, back I and watch that stream it. and when his game broke. <laughs> oh, my God. I wanted to cry. I think that's the first time I wanted to cry at, like, oh, my God. That, no. I No, I'm blocking that back into my memory. We're, I can't. Yeah, we're, I can't. We're, we're bringing up PTSD here. We can't do it. Um, scary movie. Okay. Um, so, caveat. I, I honestly am not a huge horror film buff, so... Mm-hmm to kind of take my choices with a little bit of salt but um the one that i'd say had the most impact on me was paranormal activity the first one sure um something about like i think that, that the way that they they did a lot of the filming of that with with no like super special effects everything seemed real practical and it just it creeped me out so badly man um that was the so, first movie after Blair Witch that gave me a similar vibe to the first time watching Blair Witch. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. this could be real. Like, this looks like a place that I know. And so I totally get it. The, the sequels kind of lose that, especially as they go on. But that first one was special. Yeah, the sequels try to build that that little bit of that universe or whatever and all that all that story. But, like, that first one, when you have just no idea what's really going on and... It just there's so much creep factor to it that mm-hmm. that I I'd have to say that's the one that really impacted me the most for sure. Uh, so so what ending did you? I mean, obviously it's what 2009 I think is when it came out, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah. Um. Uh, I don't know if you can remember, but do you remember what ending you saw? It was the the one where like she pushes the husband and walks away. Yeah. Okay. Because there, there's yeah, more yeah. than one ending. Yeah. yeah. Um. When they mm-hmm. when they leaked it online, they put a different ending on it where I be, I think she kills herself. Yes. I did not know that. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I did not see that. And she she throws him through after he runs downstairs, and you hear like the the roaring of the demon. He flies into the camera, and she kind of stares at it, and that was it. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Wow, Larry. Larry, you didn't know that. I had no idea. I never heard that my entire life. Oh, you should look it up. It's really creepy. Mm-hmm. That that is, I had never, I had never heard that in my entire life. I had no idea. I think wasn't there like a deleted ending too? Uh, something of maybe I'm imagining this, but I thought there was like a so deleted ending. I, where I, like, I think they put the like leaked, leaked, however you want to say that, like alternate ending in like the DVD or something like that too. I honestly, there was so much stuff going on around that time around that movie. It was kind of hard to keep it 
That was my senior year of high school, so I was trying to have a good time, keep my grades up, and enjoy life before West Point. So I don't remember a whole lot of like small details. Got a few Sorry. Old. That's okay. Thanks. Uh, so kind of bridging off that, what is your favorite scary game? Uh, I would almost say Resident Evil Village now, but mm-hmm. I, I don't want to do something that recent. So Evil Within 2. Oh, man, I've been trying to get Larry to play Evil Within 2. And the reason why we haven't is that I tried to play Evil Within, and the controls were just awful. It's a completely different game. I hated it. It is a, well. But the the OCD part of me, like, is just demanding to have to play it. Then let's play the first one. I'm that way too, Larry. I absolutely have to do, like, I can't pick up. That's why I've never been able to do Witcher 3. Well, one of the reasons I can't really play and finish Witcher 3 is, like, I've never played and finished the first two. Mm-hmm. Oh man, uh, the first one you probably don't need to touch. Uh, <laughs> I, I did, I did touch the first one oh. for a while, and it was it was rough. It was it, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, maybe when I don't have as much on my plate, I'll pick this back up. But uh, but yeah, Evil Within Two kind of has, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Justin, but like a lot of it kind of has that same Resident Evil Village feel to it. it yes. It's there there because there's like sort of side questy yeah, things like, to do. It's like a, it's like a not like a fully open world, but it's kind of got like these bigger segments. Whereas like the evil within one was very like hallway. Like you can go down this hallway or maybe you can go on the door on the left and go into like a room. But two takes place like in a town, basically. If I'm remembering right, it's been a while. Uh Uh Larry, I think you would really like it. Yeah. Well, Marcus, at the end of this, uh, we will, you can be the first patron to know what's coming up next, but You'll, you'll, you'll understand why Justin, I don't see that fitting in. Oh, no, absolutely not. Right away. Next question, Marcus. What is your favorite horror monster? Uh, it's all what you tell people. It can be from a movie, a book. Mine is Michael Myers. And Justin's is the creature from It Follows. Oh, see, I was going to say Michael Myers, too. You can say it. There's yeah, nothing yeah. wrong with agreeing with the best. I So, like... When it comes to like your 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 big horror three, right? Freddy, Michael, and Jason. Mm-hmm. Like Jason and Freddy, you kind of can understand their motives, right? Michael Myers has no motive, and it creeps me the hell out. Like if yep. I can't figure out why you are doing what you're doing, and you're still going to do it anyways, nope. Mm-mm, that's so especially creepy. in the new timeline where like they got rid of everything, and it's just Halloween, Halloween mm-hmm. 2018, where there is no connection between Lori and Michael. Like, oh man, I am so excited for Halloween Kills this fall. I don't even, I don't even have the words for it. I'm, oh, I am so excited. Maybe my theaters will be open by then. If Canada decides to open up down here on oh. on on Tuesday in Ohio, no more rules. Man, okay, so get this: uh, twenty-one days from a week or two ago, uh, some stores can open, and then I believe another twenty-one days after that. Uh, like restaurants can open for indoor dining, and then 21 days after that, theaters can open back up. So I'm looking at 60 days. 60 days. Yeah. Here in Tennessee, it, it's it's wide open. Yeah, I went to Kroger uh, yesterday, and they have a sign that wear a mask, but if you are fully vaccinated, no more masks. So I don't even yep. wear a mask at the grocery store anymore. God damn. Yeah, I'm seeing those too. Yeah. Man, my it's work. Weird. If you don't like, even if you're fully vaxxed, if you go to my work and you're not wearing your mask, they send you home for the day. I have to wear a mask at work too, but I work okay. in the hospital, so that yeah. I mean that I work with I, a bunch I of grumpy old men. So 
you know, give or take. Yeah. All right. Next question, Justin, go ahead. Yeah. So, um, what is your favorite horror book or scary book? Um, Stephen King is my favorite author of all time. Yeah. So I, I almost said it, but to kind of, can, to kind of be a bit less like upfront with it because like it is a very popular book. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love Lisey's story. Wow. What a choice. Tell the audience. That's a, that's a, that's a back shelf. I'm not even sure if Justin's read that one. Have you read that Justin? Nope. There, I don't remember where it's airing, but they're filming either a movie or a TV show yeah. on it. Yeah, tell give give a quick non spoiler background for people. I yeah, so, so like and I I think I'm saying her name right. That's it's all I was saying, like Lisey or Lisey or something like that. Yeah, it's it's spelled L I S E Y, and she is I'm for for the for this I'll just call her Lisey. She is the wife of a an author. I think he was like a horror author. Um, it's been years since I read it, but um, he passes away. And so she's, you know, the grieving widow going through a bunch of stuff. And she starts like, you know, revisiting some of the stuff he wrote about. And she finds that a lot of the stuff that he wrote, especially certain particular creatures and characters, may not have come from a, only his imagination. And that's how all, all I say about it. But I'll say it's a very good um dive into an outsider's perspective of uh a horror author's life because like stephen king's kind of written a book or two about and it's very relatable to what he does himself mm-hmm. but but Lisey's story is sort of like if he had a, if he wrote a book about his wife i guess yeah this would be I what think, it is i think justin i know you like audiobooks i think this would probably make a very good audiobook hmm. well then let me because it's, it's a lot of internalized stuff, like Marcus is saying, a lot of like her working through things. So I think, I think that that could probably be a really fun one for you to listen to. Uh-huh. What is it called again? Lisey? L I S E Y apostrophe S story. Story. I'm just gonna look it up. Sorry. You're good. While Justin's doing that, Marcus, your last question. Tell us what your least favorite trend in horror doesn't have to be movies it can be games too uh for justin it is found footage and for me it is torture porn which is probably why i like blair witch and he likes saw so much because we're opposites. i would say it's it's not necessarily a trend that that encompasses the whole film mm-hmm. but it, it is so cringy to me when you've got this this the typical hot dude who's half the time he's a jock and the hot chick Sometimes she's a cheerleader and they're <laughs> just just doing the dirty in a tent or a room unoblivious to the fact that there's a creepy monster about to kill them. And it's just like it's just when when you when you do that kind of stuff just to be gratuitous, yep. like it's just eye rolling to me. Like, like okay, the Friday, obviously the one of them is gonna franchise. Oh man, like, Larry, do you know what this means? Do you know what this is a perfect time for? What, Justin? I don't give a crap if you covered yourself in peanut butter and had a 15 hooker gangbang. Still, still has his uh, saw button programmed, it appears. <laughs> but yeah, so I agree. I, it's probably one of the reasons why I hate the Friday franchise is that I'm just not a fan of the gratuitous nudity. This has never been my thing. Yeah. I blame growing up in a church. I know you went to Catholic school growing up, so I, it's probably the, the nuns and the Puritans who beat it into us. Yeah, I don't feel one way or another about it. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. 
Okay, so that's it. You passed your first test. The next thing we're going to talk about is what you have been up to. Uh, it has been a while for Justin and I, but guess first. So, Marcus, what games have you been playing? What movies or TV shows or any books? And uh, Yeah, uh, I'll start with books because that's like the fastest thing. Uh, I am ashamed to say that I am terrible at reading nowadays. Um, mm. It's just I don't make the time for it. I, like I, I try to say that I'm going to read like 30 minutes before I go to sleep and I don't, but um, I need, I speaking of Stephen King, I'm itching to get a, a new one. I think I'm going to read the Institute next. Um, I own that Devin read it. And I know Rachel's read it too. They both liked it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know so, the Institute has a lot of uh, stranger thing vibes. From what I've oh, been does told. it? Oh, even better. The last one I read by him was uh, the outsider. Okay. Um, I, did, I haven't watched the show, but I did read it. I did read the book, so I thought it was really good. But uh, currently, I am reading a collection of poems um, written by Lana Del Rey, the singer. I've heard of that. How do you like it? It's um, it's it's really good. It's like some of them are, you know, it's a poem. It's a poetry book. So like some of the poems are a little tedious to get through because there's a lot of symbolism in what she says. But the the um, the name of the book is called Violet Bent Backwards Over the Grass. So uh, it's her first official poem book. I think she's done like small ones, like short ones online or something. But that's the first official book she's come out with. So that's what I'm currently kind of reading. It's a very light read. Sure. Um, so doing that as far as games go, uh, besides the aforementioned ones that I do on my stream normally, um, I've been trying to get through PS5's Returnal. Okay. I am stuck. You're stuck, right? I am stuck on this this boss, and and I it, I probably have myself to blame for every time I try to get through a run, it's like two in the morning for me, and so my brain probably isn't firing the way it needs to. But You've done man, that in raids, that is the case for most of us. Yes, yes, exactly. So I, I'm trying to get through that, and you know I'm just giving it giving it my my all whenever I can. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I dabble in a lot of different things. I'm getting through, slowly getting through Little Nightmares on my Switch. Oh, fun. Devin loved that game. Yeah, first playthrough of that for me. Um, I'm also dabbling into a game called Elite Dangerous. It's like a really big space sim. I have heard of that. Why have I heard of that? Uh, Chris uh, talks about it all the time. Thank you. Okay, continue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and they just released a, a huge new version of the game called Odyssey, which is up until now, it's it's been just a flight space sim, um, but now Odyssey lets you do first person combat on the ground and stuff too. So it's like opening up a whole new set of things for you to do. So that I figure that's the perfect time for me to jump in. So I'm trying to dabble into it and see how that goes. Um, and then you know, obviously, I've been doing a lot of Destiny two with you. Yeah. Um, we'll still working on. Um, I'm trying to put more effort into that, and then. Um, uh oh yeah and mass effect i started the mass effect legendary edition last night how far did you get sorry i love mass effect so oh yeah sorry i didn't watch your stream i was going to but uh, no no don't be sorry i have uh, never played it so i've been keeping myself i don't know any of the story plots oh that's that's probably a good idea then yeah um i got so i'm in mass effect one i got up to without without spoiling where i'm at it's it's essentially like before you get the ability to go into like the openness of the galaxy. Okay. Okay. I it was kind of slow because I spent literally you know half hour on the character creator as one does, and um, 
you know, just kind of slowly getting through it. I had to pause for to play something else for a bit. And then uh, so I want to do that off and on stream. I'm not going to try to do the whole thing because I know myself. I, I read every codex entry. I talk to everybody. <laughs> I exhaust every conversation topic. So, um, yeah. And then finally, for like movies and TV, um, a few weeks ago, I finally finished my MCU chronological watch through. Fun. I know, I know. So I'm I'm 100% caught off. Um, and so I'm waiting for Loki to come out in a couple weeks. And uh, I finished a a limited series on HBO called The Undoing with Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman. I don't know if y'all have heard of that or not. I have, not. I have heard of it, but I had not started it yet. Do you yeah, like it? It's, it's it was it was pretty good. Yeah, it's it's a way different role than I've ever seen for Hugh Grant and. Uh, I'm used to Nicole Kidman being in these like really heavy dramas on HBO, um, but it's essentially just it's a murder mystery that involves this this well-to-do family in Manhattan. Um, so it was really good. And so now I've restarted my watch through of uh, Handmaid's Tale because I'm trying to watch all the episodes again before I start the new season. Perfect. OK, Justin, what about yourself? Oh, boy. Um Let's start off easy, I guess. Uh, I finished off both seasons of Barry on HBO. Have either of you seen Barry? Yes. Okay. I you know the answer I, to that question. Yeah, I, I know you haven't, Larry. Yeah, I was just being I nice. Binged, <laughs> I binged those two seasons. Like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. Uh, I will say NoHo Hank is hands down my favorite character in any show I've ever watched. Um, I'm like really excited for season three and i think they've also said that they're doing a fourth season as well but man yeah um what else have i been watching oh i've been watching blood sea which we are going to be reviewing next week i forgot about that show i finished it all i finished like nine episodes yesterday oh, man i'm on episode six i just finished six um that's going to be an interesting so I will say conversation. Just, um, no, no, and nay, nay are gone. That's basically where I'm I not going to say anything. So I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. talk later. Okay. Okay. Um, man, I'm trying to think if I've watched anything else. Uh, been watching a fuck ton of saw, uh, but that's <laughs> over for now until next Tuesday when we watch spiral, which is going to be awesome. I know Larry, you've seen it already. Marcus, have you seen spiral? I haven't. No, okay. uh, I'm curious about it. That I saw that the reviews were some were. I won't even say mixed. I think they were pretty good, but some people didn't quite like it. But I'm real yeah. curious about it for sure. Yeah, that's that. That's basically how I am too. Because like I've seen some people say it's like their favorite movie this year. Well, I mean that's not really saying much, I guess. But uh, some people. I'm happy say my webcam isn't on, so I can nod or disapprove during this. Uh, well, I, I remember now what you said, so it's okay. Uh, some people. I can tell said, Marcus, right? Do you mind if I tell Marcus? Oh, go for it. I remember what you said. So. No, no, no spoilers. It's my favorite. Yeah. So I've, yeah, again, I've favorite. heard people say it's their favorite Saw movie, and I've heard other people say it's like just a little bit better than Saw 3D. So. Be interested to see where that. Falls. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I don't think anything could be as bad as Saw 3D. Um, game nope. wise, I. Oh boy, I basically burst through the first Mass Effect in the Legendary Edition. Um, started Mass Effect 2. Haven't really gone back to it a lot. Um, I've been playing 
uh, Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne on the Switch. Which I just found out came out this week. Didn't even know that. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> right. I forgot I told you about that. Uh, yeah, came out on Monday. So, um, Let's see what else. Oh, I have been playing Biomutant thanks to our people over at Evolve PR. I've seen trailers for that like for a long time. It's finally playable. Yes. Um, It came out on Monday or Tuesday. Um, I'll I'll, I'll probably have more to say about that next week. I just only had like an hour or two into it. Uh, It's fun so far, though. And I think, oh, we've been playing the shit out of Dark Souls, I guess, now. Uh, Dark Souls 3. And man, do I love love being back in that world uh it was very stressful the first time i played it but i'm kind of back into the groove now and i mean larry even watching you today i kind of just wanted to keep playing (laughs) um yeah i think that's it for me i'm sure larry will have lots to say about dark souls 3 so larry what have you been up to yeah there's more power to y'all on on the dark souls thing the only souls born i've ever been able to do is uh uh, sekiro asking us about sekiro who? I think it might have been Steven, actually. Yeah, so on positive game news, <laughs> we'll start there. Uh, Destiny 2, I had kind of put it down for like a month and a half. Um, but then Vault of Glass, I didn't realize it was coming so soon, and it wouldn't. So I started getting ready for it. Um, we cleared it before reset first weekend. Uh, Ginger was a part of it, Shannon was too. Uh, and then Kyber, Switch, and Poison, but. We had some subs in here and there, but that was the final crew going through. But it was awesome. Raiding is the part of Destiny that I love the most. And I like going for the challenges. I like getting the full raid armor set. It's just, it's the part of Destiny that I like the most because it's friends working together to accomplish a goal. And I, I love it. Uh, I am almost at 1330 light, Marcus. I, I know you'll know what that means. Oh. And uh, for everybody else, it means I've been playing way too much in the last two weeks. It's basically what that breaks down. Um, but no, now it's back to the weekly or maybe bi-weekly raid grind, and I want to get my title for it. I got the title for Deep Zone Crypt, and I want it for Vault of Glass. So gotta gotta get to work. Bravely Default 2. I right, beat I the second-to-last boss. I am going around fighting the optional bosses and unlocking all of the job levels, and I should be done with that soon. Um... I really liked it. It is incredibly grindy. Like, disgustingly grindy. Um, but I like it. It's turn-based, and it's easy, and it, it makes me happy on a complete... Oh, and when I beat that, I'm trying to decide whether to get Pokemon Snap for the Switch or Shin Megami Tensei for the Switch. I haven't made a decision which um, one I want to go for say, yet. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei is a hard game. It is a very like old-school RPG. Okay, we're going to go Pokemon Snap then. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, Thank you. I, I figured I'd let you know that. Because uh, we're going to go right into the next thing, <laughs> Dark Souls 3. Uh, yeah, we started it. Justin promised the Twitch viewers and the Here's Johnny listeners that if we made affiliate by a certain point in time, we would become we would play Dark Souls 3 to end the Kaiju season. Uh, my first night in, I could not beat Vort. I just, but I mean, you beat the first boss, right? I mean, the guy who pulled the sword out of his chest. Yeah. He's the boss. He's the first boss. Sure. <laughs> okay. 
right. and then I got beat like 60 times by Vort, and I literally left that night broken. Came back, got past him, and it's just, it's just in spurts. Like there are times when I do like the game, yeah. but there are, like today I fought the Abyss Walkers, um, and I was getting beat down, but I was always really close. I was like, okay, I'm almost close, and then I finally beat it. And there was another cut scene where it regenerated its health and got even harder. And I wanted to quit. I was, I was just done with the game. I was done with Dark Souls. I was done with all this bullshit. But my friend Steven uh, in the chat is like, hey, I'll come in and help you. Came in and beat the guy on this first try. So that's kind of my rule now. In order to keep my mental health positive, I'm going to attempt each boss like 10 or 15 times. If I feel like I'm getting close, that's one thing. If not, then... That's different, but after the fifteenth try, I'm going to call in help. But but I mean, you did beat the Crystal Sage and the Deacons, as well. If I didn't beat the Deacons, I probably would just sell my PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty easy. <laughs> that might be the easiest boss in all of, that, that I've I've played in Dark Souls. I don't yeah. think there's anything easier. Oh, absolutely! Oh man, especially with the the Pontiff's ring that you ended up. Yeah, I never lost health. Yeah, exactly. and I had the sword. I had, I had the sword bearer's ring or whatever. So yeah. like, if I had full health, I did more damage. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was nothing. Um. So yeah, I know. I, I well, the Abyss Walkers is out of the way. Apparently, that's like the fifth hardest boss. So I have that to look forward to tomorrow as of recording. Tomorrow or Saturday? I don't yeah. remember one so, of those. So days. at least it's out of. It's done. It's done. Uh, and then the other thing I want to talk about very, very briefly, because I haven't been playing it, but I know Marcus and I have been talking about it. Um, Dead by Daylight's Resident Evil fifth year anniversary was announced this week. We are getting Leon and Jill as survivors, and we are getting Nemesis as a killer. There are s- zombies on the map that can hurt you and stuff. The map is RPD from Resident Evil 2, and I watch what people play it, and it is literally RPD from Resident Evil 2. If you know that map from playing it, you know where to go, and it makes me so happy. Interesting. Okay. It just, and it, Man, you should at least, even if you don't play it, you should at least watch someone play that map. No, because you know, you you would, know what's going to happen? The same thing that happened when fucking Silent Hill got, came out. I'm gonna you can play it for a month and then be done? Yeah, I'm going to play it for like a week or two. And then I'm just gonna leave again. <laughs> yeah, but, but well, yeah, that's whatever. what I'm saying. At least just watch Ginger stream it when he's playing with us in it. But it looks, it looks really, really cool. I mean, ex- yeah, it looks, it looks crisp. Uh, movies. I watched Caveat last night. We're gonna talk about that here in a little bit. I watched the Friends reunion special. Are either you guys gonna watch that? No. No, I'm I'm not a Friends person. Sorry. All right. Yeah, totally same. fine. It was super cute. I loved it. Uh, then I watched the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion special. Oh, how was that? I do want to know how that was. Uh, so the Friends one was like more of like heartwarming and like 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 very lighthearted. The Fresh Prince one definitely talked about a lot of heavier stuff because I grew up with Fresh Prince, not with Friends. Yeah. I didn't watch Friends until I was like, shit, like 23, 24 years old. Oh, so like two years ago. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> seven. But thank you. Uh, but... Fresh Prince, we didn't have cable growing up, but my my family owned DVD copies of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Mm-hmm. So I would, it was like that and Everybody Loves Raymond were like the two shows we always had in the DVD player. Um, so it was really interesting to like hear them talk about it and like look at some of the cultural things that to me didn't mean anything because like to me it was just a family going through like funny situations or sad situations or whatever. But to see some of the cultural stuff and like 
it, it, I'd really recommend it. It's only an hour long. So I, if you watch The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and you have HBO Max, I would recommend it. It's it's well done. It really was. Um, like Justin said, I watched Blood Sea. Justin gave me his Funimation login, so I was able to crank through it and get off the website that was cancer to my computer. Uh, we'll be reviewing that next week with Alex. And then besides that, Food Network, my my comfort is having it on the background, listening to Bobby Flay or Guy Fieri. This cooking up a storm. When I was on vacation, I found myself randomly watching full episodes of Kitchen Nightmares. I love it. I don't Dude, know. I, I love Kitchen Nightmares. Gordon Ramsay is my oh my gosh. I can watch him. I want him to like come and watch me at my job and just berate me. Oh. Just for that one positive comment at the very end. They're all if you want to, Kitchen Nightmares are on YouTube. You can watch them all. That's how I was watching them. Yeah, they have full all the the full uncensored episodes. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then books. I almost am done with the last book in the Aragon. I'm not sure what it's four books. So it's not a trilogy, it's a quadrilogy, whatever the, the hell that word is. Um, I'm excited to be done with that. And then I started My Sweet Audrina because I'm going on to the Zombie Girls podcast, and that is one of the three things we are talking about. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> How has that been so far for you um, as an experience? I'm like five hours into the audiobook of a 13-hour audiobook. Okay. What I can say so far is that everything is uncomfortable, but nothing bad has happened. Okay. Oh, that's good. He, he, well, he beat his wife. That that just recently happened. The husband beat his wife. Okay. Um, and that's obviously terrible. Yeah. But the, the thing that, for the most part, is, like, time is really weird, and I don't trust the little girl narrator, because, like, she'll, like, literally say, like, today is Tuesday, September 9th at 11 a.m., and then, like, two minutes later, she'll be like, I don't know what time it is, no one tells me what time it is, I don't know what month it is, I don't know what day of the week it is, like, you literally just said all those things. Hmm. You just said them. So, like, that's been very frustrating. So, I don't know. Uh, I'm waiting. I've been told because this is a book by VC Andrews. Ginger, do you, do you are you aware of probably her most famous book, Flowers in the Attic? No. Okay, so spoilers. It's about a mother who has to move in with her mother, and they lock the little kids up in the attic, and the mother tries to kill them with arsenic laced donuts, and the older boy and older girl have sex because the older brother rapes her. Wow. So, you know, fun for the whole family. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and I've been told that this My Sweet Audrina, also by V.C. Andrews, is worse. Um, I, okay. <laughs> I know. That's why I, I, so I'm, like, like, listening to it, I'm, like, constantly on, like, edge, like, waiting for, like, the hammer to fall, and it hasn't yet. Man. So we'll see. I'll let you know when I get to the end. Uh, yes, so that's everything for what we've been up to. I have two show notes. Okay. One, patrons, if you're listening to this, make sure you head on over to Patreon because you need to vote for what two films will be the nominees over on Twitter for the larger audience to vote for for our crappy kaiju film review. Your options are Tammy and the T-Rex, God, Arachnoquake, Velocipaster, Mega Shark versus Crocosaurus, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Thanks Killing, and Godzilla and Son. Justin and I will have to watch 
one of those movies and we will be announcing it on next week's podcast with a poll to follow on Twitter soon thereafter. Um, yeah, wow. Velocipaster. Everyone knows <laughs> It just needs to be Velocipaster. Oh my god, I'm not looking. Do no it. matter what, I, honestly, no matter which one wins, I'm not. If it was Godzilla and Son, I've seen it before. It has Godzuki. It's it's kind of cute. It's stupid, but it's not painful. It's just a stupid Godzilla movie. Um, I've never seen Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. The rest of these are going to be hard. Tammy and the T Rex is going to be something if that one wins. I don't think I've ever seen that movie. Oh, you might. <laughs> Uh, um, if we do watch it, we're watching like the unrated gore version, right? Oh yeah, without a doubt. Okay. That's the only version we watch. Okay. Good. Okay. Um, second show note, like Justin mentioned earlier, we've been talking about we're playing Dark Souls three because you guys wanted us to and helped us get to affiliate. So please, if I'm going to sit there and part of my language fucking suffer and damn near cry and put holes in my wall, just come watch us and hang out. <laughs> Put F's in the chat. Someone can come be the official death counter for me. Your fingers will be busy. Like, just come hang out. Um, <laughs> I know. I was actually talking to, uh, oh, I think it was Matt yesterday, and they were asking me how many times I died. And I told them, they're like, oh, that's probably how many times Larry died. <laughs> like, in the first five minutes, <laughs> I just, yeah. 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 My rushing game style, which helps me a lot in like Destiny sometimes, and definitely Resident Evil games, in Dark Souls, it just pummels me. But yeah, uh, this is mainly pointed at Doug. I'm not sure if you listened to episode Doug, but uh, you have not been around nearly enough for this suffering. Yeah, you and know, I, Doug's I hate been missing for. for me too. Like, where, where? This is where mainly is your fault, and <laughs> I blame you for this. And ho- I know Matt listens every single week. So hey, you know what, Matt and Steven, you guys have been there. Steven yeah. literally came in and saved me today. Yeah, he saved my mental health today. <laughs> Steven gets all the like tomorrow morning when I get to work, I'm buying him a coffee. That's happening. For sure. Like, I might even start a, stop at Starbucks on the way in and get his ass a fancy coffee because I was ready. I'm not having Dark Souls. I want to have a good night. So, <laughs> we are starting a new segment on the podcast. Uh, like I mentioned, I started reaching back out the shutter, so I got some more movies to discuss. And Justin, obviously, has always been on the grind getting games to discuss. It's going to be called Breaking Review. And basically, we're going to come on and give like a three minute summary of either the game or the movie we got. Um, and then keep it spoiler-free, and then you guys can ask questions, and we kind of go from there. And at the end, we'll say, watch or play it now, watch or play it when you have time, or skip it. So, Justin, go ahead, play the audio, and let's get into this new segment. This just in, I repeat, this just in, we have some breaking reviews, and we now take you live to our correspondents on the ground, Larry and Justin. Boys, what can you tell us? That's the first I heard of Justin. That's beautiful. You're so talented, dude. I that's love so it. Good. Sorry, I had, to, I had to throw that together in like two seconds before I started Justin, that's yesterday. so good, dude. <laughs> You're so talented. Okay. Caveat is the movie I'm talking about today. It will be released on Shudder on June 3rd. It is a Shudder exclusive. It's their own movie. The press release says, when a lone drifter with partial memory loss, Isaac accepts a job to look after his landlord's niece, Olga, for a few days. It all seems like easy money, but there is a caveat. He must wear a leather harness and chain that restricts his movements to certain rooms. Trapped and at the mercy of Olga, Isaac begins to discover secrets in the house that coincide with the terrifying resurgence of his own memory. The film stars Jonathan French, Lila Sykes, and Ben Kaplan, and it is written and directed by Damian McCarthy. Um, 
So I watched this movie last night when it was dark outside, as you as you should for horror movies that you haven't seen before. Uh, I ended up liking it. I'm not sure if it's because it's been a very long time since I sat down to watch a horror movie that I did not know. Well, Spiral, but I know what to expect from a Saw movie, right? Yeah. This is different. This is like rural horror, like like isolated kind of horror. There are not a lot of jump scares, which I am appreciative of because I feel like they're they're those are cheap. Um, I did not read the press release before I watched it. I try I like to try to go in blind. I will say that gives a lot of stuff away that when you're watching it fresh, kind of is interesting as it unfolds, but it doesn't take away. I would say the last 10 to 15 minutes of the movie definitely could have used a little bit of a rework. Like not that it was bad, just like I feel like it could have been done better and it definitely kind of took away from it. But there are some images and sequences in this movie that were truly terrifying um a lot of ambiguity which i always really like in a, in a horror movie so for myself i would say this is something you should watch um especially because it's been a while i mean for me personally but i really enjoyed it it's less than 90 minutes which is always really nice it's a quick sit down and watch for a movie um yeah, I really, are there any questions? I know I shared the trailer with both of you. Is there anything that you guys liked or didn't like about it? Uh, so, um, oh, no, go, oh ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 guess first, guess first. Go ahead. Okay. So, first thing I was going to say was, like, that concept of being, like, chained up and only allowed into certain rooms. So, I don't, maybe, maybe I'm imagining it, but something about that sounds really familiar. Like, I had never seen anything like it, and... Like I said, when you're watching the movie, it's explained kind of well. And the reason why he goes along with it makes sense for the situation. Um, but it was very interesting. I kept like, and I felt that they did a really good job of like not breaking what that did to the character in the house. You know what I mean? Like, like he couldn't reach certain rooms, right? He couldn't go do certain things. There were things he wasn't able to reach because of it. It was. It was very cool, I thought. Yeah, it I added, don't, added to the horror, I felt. I don't know if I'm like getting just weird Saw 1 ideas. That's or, what I was thinking. So or, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a vest, right? It's like a straight jacket. Yeah, a, yeah. yeah. Or maybe I'm even getting like season 4, season 5, Breaking Bad uh, <laughs> stuff. When, 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 that, when a character in there had to do that. But I don't know, man. Just something about that just sounds like something I've seen before. But I could also be imagining that uh the one question i would ask is this was this like an american film or is this no. like a- uh northern ireland i would say based on the ah, accent okay. and i was telling justin so when we get these movies we get them through screeners.com it's how they protect them from being like stolen or ripped or whatever right uh there was no option for subtitles i am not usually one to watch with subtitles but a lot oh, of the conversations are very subtitles. quiet and whispered mm-hmm. and then you couple that with the accents and it made it a little difficult to hear okay interesting i i know that like sometimes like i i find that like european horror films have a certain flair and 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 tone to them that so i find sometimes to be a lot creepier than i totally agree and my biggest problem with european horror films speaking very broadly here is that similar problem it's like the last 15 minutes they kind of lose me 
The Ritual is one that comes to mind if you guys have seen that. I was I very invested in that until the last like 15, 20 minutes. Oh man, the whole like cabin scene. Like, yeah, it starts like, off amazing. Oh and my just, God, it, like, it, it boosts me by the end. Yeah. This is this is not that bad, by the way. This so, does not do that sim as badly. I, well, it may not be like I, I I'm not sure what Olga was that her name? I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what her deal is, if you will. But do, does she, does she give off like Zelda vibes from like uh, Pet Cemetery? Like, no. Like, so like, I don't think she's giving anything away. Uh, Olga has schizophrenia. Okay. Which is the reason why our main character Isaac is being is been asked to go up there and babysit. Okay. Yeah. And the 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 vest was something that her mother wore so as to make her feel more comfortable. Okay. So the trailer, if you guys watched it, I posted in the discord, which is like covering her eyes or whatever. That's like when she's in like catatonic state. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I I thought it was good. Again, I think the last 15 minutes could be better, but everything in it. And there are some, there are some visuals in this because they do a lot of flashlight play. Which sometimes okay. sucks as a lot of right. darkness. Okay. We're getting into like kinks here, I think. Oh my god! <laughs> but I'm just saying they do a lot of fun things with light. So, okay. but yeah, that I want to say thank you to AMC Networks and Shutter in particular for sending us a screener of that. Um, make sure you head over to Shutter and check it out because this is one I definitely think is a lot of fun. And I included a trailer in the show notes so you can check that out. But, oof, we are here. We are here, we are here, we are here. Everyone, pop a monster. And let's review Death Stranding. So, a little bit of background. This is not a forced game entry. This is more special than that. Uh, Marcus is our first patron ever to be at this tier. He gets to design his own episode. And we were working behind the scenes trying to figure it out, and you wanted to do a Hideo Kojima retrospective at first, right? That's correct, yes. Um, and Justin, after we talked about it, like not only had I not played any, this is my first Kojima game, but also... It didn't really tie in very well to the season we were covering, so we had to kind of work around, which is how we came to Death Stranding. Uh-huh. Um, what is your history with this game, Marcus? Like, why did you pick? Like, I, again, I know this wasn't like your first choice, but why was Death Stranding where you ended up when you could do anything to us, to make us talk about anything related to Kaiju or whatever? Why was Death Stranding your choice? Well, part of it was I was kind of inspired by how you know you you had discussed before the kaiju season even started you discussed at some point you were doing a alfred hitchcock themed episode right yes Mm -hmm. so that kind of inspired me at first to do the angle of discussing hideo kojima because he Mm -hmm. is my all-time favorite creative game director ever um he he is to me what huge fans of a quentin tarantino are to them right i so, can relate to that statement okay yeah, yeah interesting exactly. so you've played all of his stuff then 
Yeah, with the exception of maybe one PC title he released way, way back right. when. Um, well, cool. Can... This is going to be a lot more fun discussion then. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm even more excited now. So, in in trying to, like, my background with Death Stranding is, you know, like, he is most, Hideo Kojima is most notably known for creating the Metal Gear Solid franchise and his time at Konami, uh, the, the publisher. I know him from the PT demo. <laughs> Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Which I also did play. Uh, although I had to, like, I remember having to look up, like, how to do the last, like, five minutes of that. Because some of that was hella confusing to me. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so he, I, I knew him at first from the Metal Gear Solid franchise, which is my favorite franchise of all time. Um, and, I, and I love what he does be, with, with games because he's not only... He not only has a love for video games, but he is a massive film buff, too. If you ever follow him on Twitter, he's always posting about films he's gone and seen. Um, and, he, and he tries to put a lot of that into his, his games, which some people don't appreciate as much because it does extend the length of his games um, because he puts long cinematics in there, right? He, he builds the narrative and the story that way. Um. So, you know, Death Stranding was announced a few years ago, and and uh, I even got to... I never got to play a demo of it, but I, I did get to go to E3 on the year that it was going to come out, and... That's super awesome. I didn't know that. That's really cool, Marcus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, you know, they had, like, massive Sony press release stuff for it. You know, they had huge... I have a picture of me standing beside a big life... Like, bigger than life-size statue of Norman Reedus from that game. And <laughs> it's really cool. Um, and I, you know, I found the game, like, I, when I first played through it, I found it to be just this amazing experience. And, I, and you know, we'll get into, like, what I think of each aspect of it later. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, it hit me in, in a lot of different ways emotionally. And so... I always love talking about Hideo Kojima. Like we could be here for hours if, if you just take the reins off and just let let's just go. <laughs> but but um, this one in particular, I found it, it has a lot of different things that like if you if you look at the Metal Gear Solid franchise, each one has each game has a certain one theme to it. I feel like Death Stranding had a lot packed into this experience, and there's a lot that applies to in my opinion, into our lives nowadays. And um, some of it applies to y'all's theme of the Kaiju season. And I just felt like if we were going to do one game to kind of both touch on y'all's theme as well as try to be the one thing, the one project to show people who maybe aren't familiar with Kojima's work, I felt like Death Stranding was going to be it because you don't have to have prior history of another game to get into this one. Um, it's an original project. It was his first game that he created uh, with his company, Kojima Productions. Um, and yeah, I just thought that it was like just this really cool um, first, you know, first deep dive into him as a director and his and his approach to things. And it was a lot of fun to play through my, uh, the second time around. I didn't get to finish it. The second time around, I'm still working on it. However, I do remember everything that happened in it, and I just remember how much impact it had on me emotionally to play it. So awesome! And just to be clear, for this review, you did not finish the playthrough. Not for this review, but I did make sure I refreshed, you know, story major story points. 
and um and and game you know i i got through a, a good chunk of the game so you know I, I remember a lot of like the gameplay aspects of it. Larry, I'm assuming that was you want me to play it. Push the button. Okay, hold on. I got to remember what button it is. Oh no, what is this? Congratulations, you have joined the club with two other people. <laughs> uh, it's kind of different. Yours has an asterisk because you did beat this game, so it's a little bit different. But uh, Tony was unable to beat Vampire Hunter D, and Alex was unable to beat System Shock 2. So you uh, you have joined that prestigious club. Ooh, do I get like a pin or something? You get the cool tone. <laughs> I'll take it. I will take it. But I'm actually excited to talk about this because my feelings with this game, as Justin knows, were a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm mostly I have, leaning towards one way. Don't yes, try to get but into this. <laughs> upon chewing on it, Justice, I think you might be surprised. And you might also be surprised to find out that this game may have went back into my PlayStation. Okay. Okay. So we're going to get into it. So first, Marcus, give us some background on Death Stranding. Okay. Okay. So like I mentioned before, Death Stranding is the first title out of Kojima Productions, uh, the, the development company founded by Hideo Kojima himself after his time uh many many years with konami um there's actually a a lot of interesting behind the scenes things that happened in his last few years there and and i encourage you to look it up it it involves uh some shady dealings that that konami did that kind of muscled him out of things including they trying to make him design plinko machines (laughs) i don't think they, they made him do that but they did prevent him from actually receiving an award at the game awards a couple years Dude, ago. we need to do a whole episode special on Konami at some point, Justin. I, I want you to do, do a breakdown for me and for the listeners well, because I, the I more I hear about that company, hey, they have seemed like <laughs> fucking tyrants. Oh, they're mm-hmm. fucking horrible people, but I mean, apparently they're looking at bringing some shit back, so I don't know. We'll see. It's better selling it to somebody else to do. Hopefully. I mean, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> I would be too. Just give All it right, up. Marcus, go ahead. I'm sorry to cut but, you uh, off. No, no, you're good. You're good. So, um, so yeah, so, the, so like I said, the first title, uh, it, it got some assistance from Guerrilla Games, uh, the people behind the Killzone franchise, and more notably uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. It, uh, oh, uh, it makes it's sense, a, actually, mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's their engine. Okay, that makes um, a lot of sense. Into it, yeah, because he, uh, he had his own pro- like sort of proprietary engine for a while, um, but then for this one, it was they 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 kind of piggybacked off of the work that of the team that made Horizon Zero Dawn did um, to do this, and um, it's a purely single player game uh, with a very interesting online aspect. Wouldn't mm-hmm. go as far as calling it multiplayer as much as it is. Like a collective server uh, initiative to improve the world around you. Like a collaboration, almost. It is a collaboration. It's Kojima is so enigmatic with everything he does, right? Like, like I remember watching every trailer that launched for this game, and I still did not know what the fuck was going to happen until I played the game well, myself. Good, I wasn't alone. Oh no, no. I, I know you got really excited when I saw Mads in the one trailer. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah animal, let's go. You're supposed to feel that way, like, and and he did that with his Metal Gear games too, like, more so in the later Metal Gear games. But but yeah, he he's ve- he has a 
he cuts all his trailers himself. Um, so he he cuts them in a way that leaves you just with enough info to to be like, this is gonna be weird, and then he just lets you your mind wander into what it could possibly be before he finally delivers the product to you. So you know, a lot of people had no idea what this game was gonna be like, um, besides maybe the basic gameplay aspects of it. But he always does something new with every game he does, like creates a new type of gameplay mechanic or you know experience and so that's exactly what this is this a lot of people have called this game kind of an amazon simulator because you spend the majority of the game just delivering supplies from one place to another we'll talk about it yeah 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 exactly so so there's a lot there's a lot of new things to it to that but um it it was i would say it's kind of a divisive game maybe not as divisive as say like the last of us part two but this game See, was... I never got... Like, honestly, after playing that, like, Last, Last of Us Part Two, like, yes, my opinion was lower than everyone I talked to, but I still recognize that that was a really fun game. It was a mm-hmm. very fun game. My problem was with the whole idea of revenge. Like, I'm not one of these butthurt incels who's like, oh my god, Jewel died. Like, I think they could have done it better, looking at you, Resident Evil Village. But, like, I just... I, I just... But yes, I... So I, I don't even see this one as divisive. I think this is more because Justin said it best: is this is video games as art, and this is the yes. first game I have ever played like that. I never played Journey. I didn't do I- like Kid Icarus, or whatever the hell. There's a game Ico or something. I never did Shadow of the Colossus. Like I never did Ico any of those games. And Shadow of the Colossus. Ico, thank like you. Yes, I, I know of them, yes. but I've never played them. So yeah. Larry, this is yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, like I told you, it is like your art house film, but a video game. This is making me, this is like Babadook. So I think, or I think honestly, this game, it's probably not as divisive now because mm-hmm. it's had time to marinate with people. And it's also, you know, it was a PlayStation exclusive at the time of launch. And it, within the last six months to a year is when it went to PC as well. Um, but yeah, I think at the time people had mixed feelings because of the fact that it it doesn't if you really think about it, it doesn't quite fall into your normal gaming categories, right? You don't it's not a battle royale, it's not an FPS, it's not an it's not a platforming action game, it's not like a like a survival horror game. It it didn't fall into any of the categories that were popular around that time. And some people love that. Like I loved new experiences other people were just kind of like you know they they just didn't i don't think they quite enjoyed what you did in in the anywhere from 20 to 40 hours that you spent in the game we're definitely going to talk about it <laughs> yeah yeah but but i think i think justin said it best when he said it this is this is a, an amazing amazing example of games as an art yes. and just like how i said before i i love making the comparison that kojima is to games as Tarantino is to film. I think I think he has a very unique style, and he brought that with no chains on him uh, to Death Stranding. Like because he was he was restricted, especially with his last Metal Gear game. Konami had those corporate chains on him, and he was able to be free and make the game he wanted is to make with five? Death Stranding. Phantom Pain. Yes. Last one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, I haven't played it, but man, I know. I, I, I will say, Phantom Pain is like, it is a great game to play. Like it, its gameplay is like so solid. 
fuck. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm going to go back and play it now. So thank you for that. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so so that that's like a very brief background because I didn't want to boil into the plot of it too much. But yeah, yeah, that that's that's essentially kind of um, how it went. I believe it's it's almost two years old now. 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Do you yeah. have any sales figures or anything? I know you said it was a PlayStation exclusive. Is there anything that available? Uh, I don't have any sales figures in front of me. No. I uh I I do I do remember it doing fairly well though I don't think that it 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 wasn't like a Halo or or a new Call of Duty or something like that like it it wasn't like this huge financial windfall for them but it I think it did actually do really well for for from a sales perspective it just it's one of those games that if it if it's not the typical thing that a lot of people like to play I just knew there was a lot of people when it came out who were really excited to play it, but then I never heard anything from them when they had finished mm-hmm. or got into it. That was the weirdest part about it. It was like super hype and then nothing. Like not bad, not good, just silence. Mm-hmm. Justin, with my quick Google search up there with his Canadian internet, did you find it? I, I saw your eyes and I could see the reflection in your glasses. Oh. <laughs> um, so we have, um, according to Famitsu, boxed sales da- data. Death Stranding has sold 262,000, basically 263,000 copies in Japan. Oh, wow. Um, in the U.S., Death Stranding was seventh best-selling game of November 2019. But mm-hmm. other than that, they Kojima has just said that it was... This came out right before COVID, huh? Yeah, and I want to. I, w- I did want to touch on that, like, when we, especially when we, when we get into, like, the gameplay part of it. How how interesting that was the fact that it came that out. is something I actually have in my notes too. It's interesting you yeah. say that. Okay, so before we get into the plot summary, I wanted to make something very clear. For plot, we are literally talking about the plot progression. I don't want to talk about cutscenes until gameplay. I think that's where it fits best. Are you guys both okay, okay with that? I'm fine with that. Yeah, whatever. Okay, well, I think it's I think it's an important distinction. That I want to make before we get into okay. it because there's stuff That's to fair. discuss. But I wanted to separate that because for me, I think cutscenes are a separate entity from like, yes, they pu- they push the plot, but I feel like cutscenes are more of a gameplay mechanic than they are like, th- like criticizing plot progression. Okay. Okay. So with that, Marcus, I have a stopwatch. Oh my god! Okay. You are doing the sixty seconds. It's okay. I, I did so bad the last time I did it. It, it can't be any worse. I, I oh, especially with Rachel and Mars who just do it. It was a jigsaw. Oh, remember jigsaw? I tried to separate the timelines and ended up eating shit all over the place. So how spoiler we am I oh. allowed to get on? Oh, dude! <laughs> Welcome to here's Johnny. Everything's spoiled. Uh. If, if it's on here, we're talking about and like not just the game, but pop culture references all over the place. It it is this is not a safe zone. This so is like, go for it. It's just like you me like me telling all fifteen seasons or whatever of Grey's Anatomy in sixty seconds. I know but... this 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 might be the hardest sixty second plot summary we've ever had because this game has a two hour cutscene to end it. So okay. you're trying to do <laughs> all of it in sixty seconds. All right. Well, just I guess whenever you're ready, give me the countdown. I'm gonna give you a three, two, one. Justin's gonna hit his tunes, and we're gonna do it. Three. Oh, yeah, tell me if the music is too loud, and I'll turn it down. Well, he's gonna be talking, and I don't have a camera. So maybe he can point uh, oh, down I meant, then. Like Marcus, you can just tell me and I'll turn it down. Okay. Three, two, one, go. All right. Death Stranding is taking place in a post-apocalyptic world where the dead have kind of come back to life in the form of spirits called BTs that can instantly kill you and they prevent technology 
from flourishing. So we're back to bunkering down into places around the country while we have people called porters that deliver objects and goods. Uh, one of those porters is the titular character, Sam Porter Bridges, played by Norman Reedus. He's tasked by the last president of the U.S., who is his mother, to meet up and rescue his sister, who is on the West Coast. So he has to trek across the entire United States, reactivating um, these outposts throughout the country, meeting up with different characters with very interesting names. Um, as he gets to closer to his sister, he has to deal with a terrorist organization called um, that wants to steal a bunch of uh, gear. It's kind of their thing. Um, and then as he gets up and meets with his sister, he discovers that his sister is not in fact a regular human, but she is actually a catalyst for an extinction level event. Time. To... Oh Justin, no! Go ahead and hit that button again, please. Oh, it's still going. You got like 15 seconds left on that. No, side. no, no. Hit, 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 hit the button for the, the oh, fail noise. Oh, oh, man. I gotta fucking bring that shit up. Okay, uh, okay there we go. Two in one night. That's perfect. Uh, go ahead and finish the rest of the story. Though, I was going to say, yeah, he, he discovers she is actually the catalyst that's supposed to bring upon the world's sixth extinction level event. And he has to eventually do battle with her and prevent that from happening before he is able to, uh, you know, finally finish his, his original job. And there's a baby that I didn't even mention. I didn't even mention the baby. The <laughs> yeah, baby the that he has to with him. Yeah, yes, the Reedus fetus. He has to use along the way that he develops a bond with. Throughout, that's also the kid of Mad Mads Mikkelsen's character. Okay, that's hard. That is hard it to is do. Very hard. I'm, I'm not sure if you ever heard the origin of it. I used to listen to this. I, I listened when I was doing a lot of mouse work and my hands were constantly busy. I listened to podcasts for like eight nine hours a day, and I found this Harry Potter one where these ladies. Uh, took each book of a Harry, each chapter of a Harry Potter book, and treated it like a biblical scripture. <laughs> okay. And so they each had to do a thirty-second summary uh, at the beginning, and then the fans voted on who's they liked the most. And I always thought that was just so, I guess, such a unique way of like summarizing it really fast. You know, like hitting the important points. So I've, I definitely shamelessly stole it from that. But it is hard. It is shockingly hard. Yeah, especially for a game that's as beefy as this. <laughs> It's why we dropped it for books. We don't even try for books anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so plot. Um, Marcus, this is your episode. So for all of these categories, I'm going to let you go first, and then me and okay. Justin will come in after. So as I said, I I love everything Kojima. Um, I promise any sort of like review score or anything, it will not be perfect. I will critique it, but it's going to be Marcus, I gave the faculty a damn near perfect score on this podcast, and I gave Blair Witch a perfect score. This is your personal preference. You give it whatever you want. Well, I'm not going to judge. It, it won't hit a perfect score. Especially but, after okay. me and Justin almost got into a physical altercation over Skype about uh, The Last of Us how scary score, which changed up the entire scoring rhetoric of the podcast. <laughs> oh, um, boy. You're, that, man, you are never going to let that wound heal, huh? I'm not mad about it. I it was I, I saw passion. I, I loved it. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean I, I didn't mean to scratch the wood. Ginger, okay, go ahead. Know. Tell us about plot of Death Stranding. Um, yeah. So, as far as the plot goes, like as I said, like this is this. If you've never played a Kojima game, this is an all-encompassing first good dip and dive into what he's got going on because you don't need any prior knowledge from a franchise. 
Um, you're getting you're getting old Kojima with new Kojima as far as like how how his plot structure goes. Um, it just like all Kojima games, it is a little convoluted at times. He loves to create a bunch of new words and terms for his stories. So you, you may be a bit lost in the beginning when you when you hear these things discussed. Um, he did do a, um, a, he does good with with a bunch of his cinematics uh sometimes to a fault um to have these characters when they when they are discussing things like they they do that 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 trope where they like they openly say what the thing means or they ask what does this mean you know even though they probably should know what it means it's kind of like for the play that's more for the players um benefit to hop um, in on you really quick i will say that was one of the things that when like when i start talking about it is he treats these plot dynamic words or phrases or events or whatever. He treats it very much like a novel. I noticed mm -hmm. it reminded yes. me a lot of say like Dune, if you guys have ever read that where the first like 300 pages did a lot of word drops, like a lot of like this planet, this race, this political crossover. Right. But there's never any like, explanation about what is actually being said to you like you don't actually get it i got that heavily here yeah i yeah he 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 does a very good job of eventually explaining everything um and i think we we kind of mentioned this already before but when it comes to the plot he every one of his games has a theme to it it's 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 not even hidden he he's he gets very obvious sometimes with with the theme of his of this game is and obviously and like with Death Stranding it has to do with I would think isolation the idea of us being in this huge populated area but being individually and separated and isolated from one another uh, more so now because it's a post apocalyptic setting so everybody's bunkered down in these in these in these you know, bunkers and in, in underground cities throughout the country. Nobody's out in the open doing things. And so you are, you see, as you, as you go from point to point, you're creating these connections between people. And, um, and, and, and he does a good job, I think, of showing the excitement that some characters have with, with being on the grid again and being able to interact with people again. And other people, not so much. It takes a little coaxing and doing doing um tasks for them before that's able to happen but you know we mentioned how this happened right before the pandemic and how crazy is it that a game like this that teaches you how to make connections with people again happens <laughs> right before the world goes on a lockdown for a whole year like that is the most interesting thing that i find that in a way kind of gives this game more value i wonder how how this game would have been perceived if covid was not a thing yeah and like for me too i definitely think a lot of these because even when we were doing like the like when covid first happened we did a lot of like 28 days later right we did a lot of these kind of and we did uh what was the one with uh sexy man no the crazies thank you wait with um, the what in it the sexy man i always forget his name but he's like he's like Oh, the goddamn American Jedi! Yeah, fuck! I can't. I can't think of his name. He was in the Santa Clarita Diet. It doesn't matter. But uh, he was in the Hitman movie. Oh, 
Yes. Oh, Timothy um, Oliphant. Oli- Oli- yes, Oli- thank you. Timothy yes, Oli- Timothy Oliphant. Oli- yes. Okay, thank you. Um, like, we had to stop doing those because, like, it got a little too real. Yeah, it was really depressing. And, I like, mm. I remember watching The Crazies, and a movie I have seen a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. And, and like, liked, too. Feeling it. Like, feeling physically, like, ill almost. Yeah. Yeah. Because we did that right when it started. That was, that was a something. But... But yeah, this was most certainly a game when it comes to plot. So I'll, I'll hop in now. Is This is hard because I actually talked about this a lot with uh, Matt. He's always in our Twitch chat and Discord and stuff. He uh, Not Seagram, uh, Comma P. Yeah, yeah. He actually loved watching me stream it when I was streaming it before I had to move and stuff. Um, and I understand why, because I got the exact same vibe. This story would be amazing as a book or a miniseries. Mm-hmm. Like, the plot of this is good. It, it is. There are times, why have I nitpicks? I do think he throws too many terms at you too fast, and you kind of f- feel like you're drowning a little bit. I don't even like that in books. Like, even Dune annoyed me with that, because it's, like, too much at once. Like, I'm sure you're going to fill it in, but, like, I want to kind of get a grip a little bit before I drown in it. Um, And then the other thing that I have my biggest problem with, and I'm not sure if it's translational, if you guys can tell me this, but a lot of the names for people like Die Hardman and Strand and all that, it's very on the nose. Was that translation? A no. translation problem, or is that intentional from Kojima? You mean like because especially Sam Porter Bridges, because he's yes, Porter exactly, he Bridges. That, that <laughs> exactly. It was like so super Kojima. like, like because I knew it was going. I, I guessed everything probably about a third into the game. I had a feeling that Hannibal was um, Norman Reedus's dad. I had a feeling the baby was Norman Reedus. I knew there was something going on between the president and. Um, his sister, like all those things were kind of telegraphed. And I don't know if that was a translational thing or if that was meant by Kojima. No, he, 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 like I said before, he, he kind of is a bit on the nose with some stuff and those names, like, (laughs) And he did that with every Metal Gear game. Like every boss okay. that you fight, you fight is it has a name that relates to something, some personality trait about them. So it, okay. it's it's just what he does. I was really, I, I I can't really say I was disappointed to see that that happened in Death Stranding. I kind of I don't know if I expected just a little bit more, like a little maybe yeah. him not to do that. But I guess it wouldn't necessarily be Kojima without having weird Kojima names to stuff. The one thing that would have made it like, I don't know, like it's, it's the one thing that did make the word dump. It's what I call it when they make up like fantasy word, the fantasy word dump. It mm-hmm. made it a little bit more tolerable because all these people's names kind of rooted me into what their kind of role was going to be in the game. If that makes sense. I mean, personally, <laughs> um, I, I, I've always been a fan of Kojima, specifically the Metal Gear series. I fucking, I, what a, an amazing series. Um, weirdly enough, I, this game did not really hit for me when it first came out. Like, I, I was, 
Larry, we were talking before uh, while we yes. were playing it, and I think I got to chap like right before Mama, and then I just like I just put it down. I I, I just couldn't be, be because I, I don't know. I I was almost expecting like a a different Metal Gear because I think so much love has gone into that series that to start with something new. I mean, I, I don't know. I really got the the feeling that this was going to be a Metal Gear type of game uh, before it came out. Obviously, when he started throwing words around like, oh, it's a stranding game. It's like a new genre of game. <laughs> uh, that, then I started trying to kind of attempt, uh, tempering my expectations. Um, but my biggest issue with it is that, and granted, this this could be because we have had multiple, multiple, multiple Metal Gear Solid games where the plot has eventually been explained because I, I mean I'll be honest with you the plots in Metal Gear Solid are fucking buck wild like they are crazy but I always found them very like by the end you know exactly what is going on and it, and it does hold your attention even though it is crazy that whole way through it's almost like so crazy that you can't, you just like, you have to know what's going to happen next. I didn't really get that feeling here for me. It was, it was a, a, a very slow burn that never really picked up speed. Um, and see, that's why I also, I, I agree with you, Justin. And it's like, again, it goes back to why I think this would have been better as a book or a mini series, because there are questions that are unanswered or questions that I don't feel are answered well enough. Like, where did the BTs come from? Like, why are they experimenting on babies? Like, why do these timelines kind of hop in the way that they do? Um, and it, it's very ambiguous, ambiguous, which isn't like a problem for me because I do read a lot of fantasy and I do watch a lot of these kind of fantasy-based movies. So it's something I could swallow. But there are questions at the end that are still there for me. But I guess a little bit different from you is I feel like the bigger questions like the questions that i need an answer to ended up getting answered um did you by chance throughout your playthrough read any of the uh interview codex entries or that's what i call them codex i entries. read probably half of them but that was i'm going to talk about in gameplay yeah, that was yeah. a problem i had because once again i feel it's like my problem with Final Fantasy 13, right? Is the story's not bad. It's just not given to you in a way that's chewable. This is, yeah, this was the first Kojima game um, that he relied more on side narrative items to read to help hmm. deliver some of the stuff. Like, like in all the Metal Gears, with the exception, I would even say, of like Metal Gear Solid 5, everything is ex is pretty much explained to you in some form or another as you play from beginning to end. Whereas in this one, it, it does require you to like do a little bit more like reading and stuff. And then even, even for, you know, doing more of like the side things to get more interview data to read, to, to give you some sort of like little backstory or that one little tidbit of information that kind of starts to make, make other things. I'm really like, happy. Yeah. I'm really happy you brought that up, Marcus, because that, this is definitely a plot related thing. And it's been a complaint I've had, like a top of our Final Fantasy 13, but even going back to dark souls, I watched like a hour long YouTube video explaining the story of the first dark souls. And like, this is fucking cool. Like, this is really awesome. 
And I know, Justin, you liked it and gave it a higher score than me. My problem is, is that story is not delivered to you as a way the player takes it in while getting the experience. And it's very strange because, like you said, in this, Marcus, it's given to you through these interviews and emails that kind of fill in the world around you. I don't understand why they couldn't have been podcasts. We'll get to that in gameplay or things like that. Because then while you're walking and going on these like 30, 40 hour, 90 minute deliveries, it could have filled the world and around you instead of this crappy, weird synth tune songs that play every once in a while. Oh, you didn't like the music I take it? We'll talk about it in audio. (laughs) Remember, I I am going to ink carceration in September when the headliners are Mudvayne, Slipknot, Rob Zombie. So keep that. Can't like this stuff. I do like. I mean, obviously, Marcus does. I post a lot of very random songs in his 808 channel and his Discord, but this is not my kind of music. Okay, but that that's that's later on the road. But but no, you're you're. It's hard. It's it. The plot for me was the hardest section because I think this story has a lot of legs, but there's issues with it. It's too on the nose. There's too much fantasy dump at the very beginning that kind of, that can lose someone who's not really interested. Like Justin's a huge Kojima fan, right? Yeah. But that fantasy dump left them, sorry to be so on the nose, stranded. Like he didn't want to keep going because he wasn't even getting anything. It. It was just, it was just more and more and more. So, I don't know, but I, I think the end paid off. Even though it was really telegraphed, I, I thought the end paid off, the story-wise. And I find it intriguing. I find this. I find that like if there was like a book, I would read the book of this story. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I remember feeling, by the time I finished it, I remember feeling that everything that I did pay, did pay off. Mm-hmm. I everything I did was for a reason. I now understood stuff, and I would not have been opposed had I had the time to immediately start a second playthrough of it and just go yeah. through it again, knowing what I had discovered. My biggest complaint is probably twofold: is that we have these two big but appear to be villains, right? We have Troy Baker's character, and then we have uh, Mad's character, right? Who are kind of perceived throughout the gameplay. They change at times, but as the as the villains, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like those were our strongest characters. Because even Norma who we play as, I feel like he's very bland. This might even come into audio, too. But I feel like the story could have given us more from each of them. Especially Mads, where we get that huge dump. Like, the mm-hmm. second to last chapter. The last chapter. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like we could have chewed on more throughout the story of his. Instead of just getting it all thrown at us at once. How do you guys feel about that? I mean, I'll definitely get into uh, Norman's performance there uh, in audio, um, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's like kind of like I mentioned in the Resident Evil uh, review there. Yeah, some of the characters we get like a ton of, of background and build up, and we are incredibly interested and we want to know more. But it's like so compact, like like you said. I, I, certain sections of this game i mean everybody has like their own chapter built into this game yes and that chapter is all about them some of those characters chapters are half an hour long some of them are like four hours long mm-hmm. right and it's just that's how that's i felt personally that basically once that person's chapter was over 
yes, they were still there, but they were by that point more of a sidelined character. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, guys, any last thoughts before we wrap up plot and head into gameplay, which I think will probably be a a fun discussion. I yeah, I'll just briefly say, like. I remember when this game was still being made um, and seeing the kind of star power that was clamoring to be in this game, Mm -hmm. like like despite what you may think about what his games do, like being in a Kojima game is is an honor i think and so shout out to hideo kojima for having this amazing cast from norman reedus as as the main character to to lay sadu to you know mads mickelson um i the, the name of the of the of the female actress that played mama escapes me but i remember that she's in she was in one of my favorite hbo shows uh the leftovers oh Wow, yeah, she, she yeah, was. She yeah, was. She was the daughter. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Okay. Cool. I I did not place her until you said that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, Hartman. Uh, he's he's a he's a pretty prominent director. Director. Oh, Del Toro. Ref- mm-hmm. No, yeah. no, not Guillermo Del Toro. That's um. Oh, who? What? Maybe maybe I'm thinking Dead Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Deadman. Deadman was Guillermo del Toro. Who did you say? Hartman. He was the, the the guy that would go into you know he would die every. Oh, uh, he's a director. Seven minutes, I think it was, or something like that. Yeah, Nicholas Winding Refn is his name. If I pronounce. Oh, it I've right. never heard of him before. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but yeah, and and of course, if you've played a lot of narrative-driven games, you know the name Troy Baker. Oh God, he's in fucking everything. <laughs> He Justin blew my every- mind when he started telling me everything that he was in. <laughs> he is. He. You know how like Mark Hamill does a lot of voice acting. Mm-hmm. He he's the same way, except he's <laughs> in a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he brings his A game like every time. Um. Yeah, we'll we'll save that for audio. I think audio will be a fun discussion too. But you're you're right. It was just it was I don't know. It was like I said. The big point for me is like I wish like Justin said that some of these characters I was really interested in, and I wish there had been a more of a spread out approach to their backstory and involvement in the plot instead of just dumps. Just a very quick side note. Nicholas Winding Refn directed the 2011 movie Drive with Ryan Gosling. Oh, no shit. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. All right, that's plot my, scores. Yeah, that's, those are my plot thoughts on it. Perfect. Yep. I, I, this was one of the categories I struggled with. And because... If someone handed me a book and said, this is the novelization of Death Stranding, I would read that book. So even with my problems, I did end up giving it a seven and a half for plot. Justin. Oh, uh, I really uh, butted heads with this plot. Um, I gave it a three. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. And I Marcus. I will give it an, a solid eight. Gameplay, the section that I have been waiting to discuss for so long. Marcus. Oh, I have messages from you, Larry. Good, you should, because I have, I, yes. Marcus, you go first. So Kojima loves to create new things to do in his games every time. And he, uh, he, for better or worse, it you can't 
debate, I think, that it's at least not different. You can't say that it's not different in some way. Um, this is definitely a game, in my opinion, when you play it, that, like like you said, you could throw on some headphones and probably listen to something else while you play this game a lot. Get into it. Yeah. I'm going to talk I, about it now. We can get into it. <laughs> I, just because of the fact that you, there is a lot of, of, of time where you're literally just walking around, right? A lot um, is an understatement. Yeah. Um, for, for those that may not have played it, there, there is a point where you start, you get later in the game, though, and you start being able to build roads. And we should, I think we should make sure to mention that all this building you're doing, you're not doing it by yourself. Like yes. you, you're the game matches you into a server. I don't know if it's based off your location. It probably is just based off where you live in the country or in the world. But you, you, you work with other players on this server, and you built, and you work off each other's work to help build roads, uh, maintain um, certain things that you build. You leave behind things for players like ladders and ropes and that kind of thing. Uh, there's a point where you can like drive around vehicles and stuff too, but. Um, until you but, get to the mountains and all that shit goes off the ground. Oh my god! Way. Oh my god! Where you have to start building like electric zip lines and <laughs> and, and it, you get all the way to a certain point where you think you you think you can make that line work until it, the game tells you that you're out of range and you can't do it and you just are like, man, I gotta turn around and do this again and mm. and and so you've got a lot of the you've got a lot of carrying around with there, there's. There's just a lot. There is a lot that you have to consider in this game. Like like the weight of your cargo, how it bogs you down. Oh my god. Thinking you have to equip your your male genitalia and pee every now and then as a weapon, aka just to pee to relieve yourself, to make sure your stamina doesn't drop. You've got to consider weather um and running in the rain, which the rain in this game hurts your cargo because it ages it. And is usually a sign for the BTs are coming too. And is a sign for the BTs, which are like kind of ghostly, and you can throw certain items at them to hurt or your kill urine, them. feces, Call and blood. Yes, and blood. Um. So there, there, there is a lot. There is a lot happening in this game, and it's easy to. It's easy to forget. You can either, in my opinion, if you if you are able to beat this game, like go from beginning to end, you are either going to play it doing the bare minimum, where you're just like, I'm just going to pack the bare necessities and I'm just going to go. Or you're going to take every single job that you can and you're going to look at how the weather is going to be from point A to point B. And you're going to create the items that the game tells you you might need. Like, hey, this is mountainous terrain. You may need a ladder. Okay, let me make sure I pack a ladder. Or, you know, just whatever. You're going to also run into checkpoints where you're like, hey, this needs this many resources to help build this road. Let me run back to where I just came from, pull the resources, which is going to bog me down just so I can get over here, put them in. And I did my due diligence to kind of help build this road for this section. Um, I, for better or worse, even though it's annoying to me sometimes, as I'm sure it is to everybody, like I love the fact that Kojima was not afraid to make the player do all this. Like, especially for the fact that like for instance if your cargo is too heavy and you start shifting to one side or the other like left or right 
you like if you're on a controller, you have to use your your shoulder buttons to grab the opposite strap to balance you out. And sometimes you have to hold those buttons for a good long while while you walk forward because you're trying not to let the cargo fall off your back. It's it it seems tedious, but it's also in a way its own version of immersion, I think. And and it it it, it keeps you glued to what you're doing at the time. So you're I don't think you're ever too far checked out of what you're doing. You're the game hmm. does make sure that you always have to be checking in to what you're doing. So you're not just like tediously driving or walking from one place to another. Even if it's like checking the health of the boots that you're wearing to make sure that your boots aren't totally torn to shreds. So there, there. This is meaty. If we if we said that the plot was meaty, I would argue that the gameplay is more. The gameplay so. was the section that I expected there to be the most conversation about. Justin, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to um, go first? Do you want me to read your messages first? <laughs> You can read a couple of them. Okay. You can um, read. You can read your three favorite. Oh, okay. Give me. Give me a couple. I'll. I'll just give. I'll read off a couple. Okay. I just failed an order and have zero idea why. Fuck me. <laughs> I got a package here and it didn't tell me until I fucking got here the package was too damaged. Fuck this shit. <laughs> what the fuck? It blew up again. <laughs> Cocksucker motherfucker. Apparently, the one thing for uh this one thing for fragile had to be dropped. Dropped off first. Fuck all of that. What, <laughs> what the fuck is this cock sucking game? <laughs> um, hold on, hold on. I got one more. That's good. Um, uh, oh, and then you googling how long the last cutscene is after I told you. Uh, you saying what the fuck? Uh, uh, this game. Uh, I got. Oh, I think that was it. Oh man, where's my favorite one? I have to carry this bitch up a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it just kind of goes on like that uh it's uh okay <laughs> okay um that being said i'll, I'll go first because i feel like <laughs> you'll have a lot more to say that okay, i will um i i agree i i think there are a lot of systems at play in this game my, my only issue with it is that none of them are particularly interesting to me laid out how they are I think this game works best when it is when you are doing the opposite of everything that you had been told up to that point. For example, crossing the ocean where you have to get caught by a BT. Yeah. That that part to me was probably one of the most fun parts because it's it's literally saying, "All right, you've been here for 20 or 30 hours or whatever. We've been telling you this one thing, BTs are dangerous, stay away or whatever. Now you have to face them." And then basically from that point on is like, I mean, it turns into like a shooter for a little bit there where you're like going through mm-hmm. the city. Um, but it was interesting because it, it switched it up from what you were used to. Um, I would I would even say the traveling back while very tedious, like kind of at the very end of the game where you're going. The last trip you mean? Yes. Uh, while it oh, was. Dude, I, I tried to skirt the, the edge of the map and I got fucked on oh i just went straight down the middle I yeah was, i should have done that i tried to cut around like, i thought it was a short like, i'll go i'll go look at the ocean and cut up through the south it'll be so easy no no <laughs> that um, was such a mistake well, and, that was like three hours of fucking mistakes or okay continue i'm sorry <laughs> no that's okay um while i do think that that part of the game is incredibly tedious i think that was a fun part of it because it's literally saying okay you did what you were supposed to do 
now go back. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of in regards to the equipment and stuff, um, I basically always made sure I had like four ladders and three ropes, mm-hmm. and then I was good. I never, I didn't need, I never needed more than that. Um, I helped build a couple of roads, uh, so I was able to drive some trucks and motorcycles and stuff through some of the like the more traversed areas. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that my my issue with the game is that it it, it presents all these systems, and just just none of them are very interesting to me. They 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 drag on like even even the mountains going up and seeing the new scenery of being in snow was awesome. Except for, okay, you climb this mountain, now go down to the other side of the mountain. Oh, but now you got to climb back up with the body. Mm. Which was, it just kind of, everything overstayed its welcome a little too long for me. And now Larry. Oh. Uh, okay, so <laughs> I want to state my biggest pro for the game. Because you guys really didn't, Justin didn't mention it briefly. The shooting, or the shooter parts of the game. I thought it was done brilliantly from a cinematic perspective. It wasn't like Destiny where you're like focused on like getting headshots or whatever. It wasn't like Call of Duty. It wasn't like anything I'd ever played before. It was literally designed for you to experience the tension of what was going on, but you were more focused on what was happening in the scene around you. The World War Two, World War One, one with the with the um with the tunnels and the the trenches. Uh-huh. was amazing like that was like that scene in particular i love that was probably my fave that one of the vietnam one probably my favorite of the entirety of the game from like a very cinematic but action-packed perspective play metal gear solid like it, it really blew my mind because i wasn't even i was like yes i was shooting people i was picking up guns but it was it was never very stressful and it was much more about like Taking in the fact you're back in World War One, going through the trenches, or in Vietnam, you know what I mean? Like, I loved that. Like, I'm telling you right now, it, it that that segment got a solid like three points by itself because I, I had never played a shooter that focused more on the cinematography of what you were doing than maybe like old school Resident Evil with the fixed camera angles. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I I, I really appreciated that. Okay. I think moving packages and having to like take showers and like check your gear and all that stuff is fine. My problem is the length of time you have to do this shit. And if you fail or like, I only failed a couple because I never had like the bomb one that Justin read off that I took that package there like seven or eight times. I was so, I was so pissed off. I was so mad. But my problem is it's boring. There's no risk to it. There are so many times where I just do like, okay, like just take your time, go around, go around the rainfall. I, I wore the power boots instead of the speed boots. So I would just be able to carry whatever I found along the way, throw it in my bag, drop it off for others to deliver whatever, get some points. I, I got a pretty high like rating, I think, but it's boring. I went through podcasts. I think I cleared out my back catalog of podcasts. When I was able to sit there, I'd turn the game volume down, and I would just listen to podcasts while I was doing it. And for me, that's incredibly boring. I got no payoff from it. I hated it. I hated that each stop I wasn't able to fully rest. So like I was coming back with like crappy shoes or no shoes at all. 
and and like sometimes I would get someplace like, well, you, before we link up, you got to go back to this other place. I was like, God damn it, I was just, and it 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 frustrated me. It really frustrated me because I was liking the story by my score. You guys have seen that, and I feel like the story was held back by the gameplay so much, and that goes into my biggest critique is the exposition dumps during extremely long cutscenes. That is just not my cup of tea. I don't think it works well for video games. I didn't like it. Like, the only time I've ever liked that was FMVs, but that's what it was designed to do. It was a movie you interacted with. You know what I mean? And I think that, like I said, I think a podcast system where, like, instead of finding an interview, the interview is a podcast. You can throw them while you're walking. You get more background about what's been going on in the in the back in the world around you in the past, in the future, and now. I hated that I didn't have more of that. Because I think that would have been brilliant. That would have been a brilliant way to like immerse you further. Because then like you're not bored walking, right? You're learning about the world around you, what happened. And I feel like for, for me, that sucked. I love like dropping off materials to build roads and i liked like leaving bikes or leaving roads behind and knowing that someone else is going to get it like i had one ladder that had like 70 legs or something by the end that people kept using which was pretty cool and i loved that but the vast majority of this was just frustration and you guys know me well enough i am bullheaded as hell i will keep throwing myself at something until i get it in the mountains nearly broke my ass like trying to climb it, like I'm getting up this fucking mountain, I'm going to the very top, and like falling down and doing it again, and I don't know. For me, the gameplay is lacking. I think there's a lot of really good pieces, but it's all just turned to 11 when it didn't need to be. Yeah, it it's it, that that style where it's almost like a grindy kind of gameplay, but it's like it's it's grindy and it for a reason. There, there, there is an end result besides just building your character up. Like, I get that it's there, but I'll be honest, it's been my, one of my biggest critiques of Kojima games um, in the past five to seven years. Like, he did his last two Metal Gear games that way. Like, Metal Gear up until after Metal Gear 4 was very linear, chapter-based. You start the game, and... The, just the action and the and the cinemas drive everything and you're just moving forward but his last two games he decided some at some point that he was going to introduce this sort of grind aspect to it and like in the metal gear games it, it involves you like going repeating the same missions over and over again to recruit better soldiers to help build up a bigger base for you and he kind of brought some of that into Death Stranding, you know? And it's just, I, I, I admire that it's different. That, that, like, I've never played a game that makes you do the things that Death Stranding makes you do from a oh, gameplay either. perspective. I admire the fact that he wasn't afraid to do that and take risks. It's just, it, it has that same fingerprint of, we're going to have you continue to do all these like side things um, just for the sake kind of a, of doing them to, to make things better for you in a way. No, you're absolutely right. And, and again, like I was thinking while you're talking like the BTs, I thought that was a really interesting mechanic, but the thing is they weren't ever a threat. Like 
Mm-hmm. You could either skirt around them, or if you push through them, you would just make sure you head onto your packages and push through. Like they were a nuisance; they weren't a threat. Exactly, and it, it just kind of ties into it where like there's a lot of really good things that I think a later game will probably nail. I really do. I think a future game, because of what Kojima did here, can do this better. And mm-hmm. I think that that trailblazing is important because you mentioned Tarantino. Tarantino did a lot of stuff like that, like the the narrative jumping all over the place. Right? I think of Pulp Fiction. Like that was like the first time a movie at that level had done something as ambitious as it did. Um, I think Pulp Fiction did it better than or landed it better than this did. But I, I am I would play a game like this. I guess someone said it was similar to Death Stranding, but fine tuned. I would be interested in playing it if it was fine tuned. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. It, it, for me, I think my final game time was like 45. I found like extra strand locations. I found like the the low lone like the lonely one on the mountain because I, I spent a lot of time in the mountains, guys. I spent a lot of time in the mountains. I found the one like the the lone stranger, whatever his name was, up in the mountains. I found him and got him onto the network and stuff. It was more for me. It was too boring. It was too boring, and it asked me for too much constantly. And because of that, I was just done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by the time I was done with it, I was just done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you guys hear that? My windows are open. Can you hear the people? No. no. What are they saying? I want to know now. Talk about how green the flowers are because it rained here yesterday. <laughs> that's so adorable. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean that's kind of my thoughts for gameplay. Any last thoughts before we move on? I don't really have any. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't. I wouldn't say either. Just like, like I said, I, I, I admire doing something different. It there were just there were times where it was it was very tedious for sure. Yeah, and so like I said, I, I really love the cinematic quality of the shooting aspects, and I do appreciate him taking risks. But for me, it didn't land. So overall, for gameplay, I gave it a three and a half. Justin, I gave it a four. And Marcus, uh, I gave it. I gave it a seven. Okay, perfect. You don't have to match us. It's even better when you don't. Audio. I just want to say one thing first. Mads Mikkelsen might be one of my top three favorite actors of all time, and I loved everything about him whenever he was on the screen. I can agree with that. I Yeah. A hundred percent. Every Cliff, single time. Cliff Unger, was that his name? Cliff mm-hmm. Unger? Yeah. I thought Del Toro did a great job. I loved... I loved his character. Um, I wish we got a little bit more of Die Hardman. Uh, we didn't get a lot of him until the very, very end. I, and I think he played a much bigger role. And I wish it goes back to the plot critique I had, right? Where I wish we had more time with some of these characters who were more intriguing and he was one of them. Um, Norman Reedus was kind of boring. For our main protagonist, I felt like especially compared to some of the other actors around him, I felt his was the most lacking. Yeah, it, it definitely, I mean, I, Larry, I'm sorry, you won't get this reference, but it, it definitely had like a very uh, Keith or Sutherland in Metal Gear Solid 5 vibe. To yes. Me. Yeah, where it's yeah, very... Like, Metal Gear Solid 5? Uh, yeah. Oh, man, yeah. Uh, he takes over. I love Keith or Sutherland. Oh man, you would have hated the internet a couple of years ago when everybody was like incredibly mad at him. Oh okay. Uh, well, he he just he replaced uh, David Hayter as the Salt Snake or not Salt Snake, Venom Snake, I think is what he's called in that one. 
it, yeah. Metal Gear Solid is is very convoluted. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but it, his performance is just it's very like low to barely there. Like he doesn't have a lot of speaking unless you're pressing the "Hey, is anybody out there?" button. Um, well, and like his character is going through so much, and like I don't get that from him. You get it from Mama. You get it from the guy whose heart keeps stopping. I forget his name at the top of my head, but you get it. Like all the other characters are putting out so much, and you're spending the most time with Norman Reedus and like or Bridges or Sam Porter Bridges, and like I get nothing from him. Yeah, well, that, well, that's what I mean. Like he 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 definitely has a performance in the game, but it's very like minimal to non-existent in a way. Um, he doesn't like emote as well as everybody else does. He's very like bland and. I don't know. It's a lot harder to get behind him, whereas where as everybody else, even like Mads Mikkelsen, is just like amazing in this. He's um, so good. I, I forget the person who does the voice acting for Del Toro's character. Um, I can't remember his name, but a, a, a lot of them, like, there's so much emotion and like, especially when like Nor- behind like behind them, like they're very like enrapturing, and then you get your main character who is just kind of the biggest flaw I saw in Warren Reedus was when yeah. he was on screen interacting with Troy Baker because Troy Baker is so good. Yeah. He, and then you he pair it with like, Norman Reedus presence. I yeah. Feel. And when you, when you pair him with Norman Reedus, like on this interact with each other, yeah, he's, it makes, he came off as like a wet piece of tofu basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I pretty much agree with everything you said. I think this is, I think this is a situation where you've got, if you imagine the cast, you've got, it's it's almost like a bell curve going down of like the, the bottom of the bell is Norman Reedus's performance and, and the ability and the, and the talent of the supporting cast is what raised everything up. Like he was surrounded by a lot of people. And, and you know, if you, after, after playing the game and finishing it, I, I wonder sometimes like, was Reedus maybe the best salute, the best person for the job here? You know, like he it is, reminds me a lot of. Uh, I'm not sure what you guys know about the history of Back to the Future, but they like halfway through filming that they recast Marty McFly. Yeah, yeah, I remember that because the 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 actor that they cast for Marty was just not working well because all it, the other actors were yeah. doing great, right? And they they were watching the test screening and it was not lining up. Mm-hmm. So they yeah, went so, back. You could actually go back and like find like the first like half of the movie with this other actor, and it's you can just tell. And I feel like someone should have realized that Norman Reedus's performance was just not matching the intensity of everyone around him. Well, so I, I I feel like that might actually come down to like a, a Kojima's like friendship circle, really, because he is very close to Norman Reedus, and I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, sometimes I can put you in an awkward spot, right? Where I, I, I'm not saying he loved his performance or hated it. I mean, we will never really know, but he basically hired like his best friend to do this game. Yeah. And how do you tell him that? Like, oh, well, everybody else is better than you. Yeah. Like, I wonder how much of this was like, oh shit. Well, you know, the Silent Hills didn't work out, huh? Well, don't worry. You'll you'll be in the next one. You'll be in the next. <laughs> yeah. One. Okay. Um. So yeah, so I do think this performance would have done well in a Silent Hill type of game. 
Oh yeah, for sure. But but for something like this that you you need you need the personality of these characters to drive this mm-hmm. the gameplay, right? So yeah, I think I think he was he was he just doesn't like Norman Reese doesn't really jump out at me as being an emotionally uh diverse actor. Holy. Yeah, like like I think I think Bo- uh, Boondock Saints, and I think Walking Dead, and that's mm-hmm. all that comes to mind when it comes to Norman Reedus for me. Hundred percent agree. Yeah, so especially because like I think it would have been cool like when we're out walking if there was like more of like if he was a more fun character like kind of talking to himself and like more of an internal dialogue where I wanted to learn more. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there are just things, but I, I ended up not like I said. I turned whenever I was just walking around, I turned down the volume, listened to podcasts because there was just nothing. Yeah. It wasn't giving me anything. And that goes into the next thing is this game in the <laughs> calmer moments would trigger these songs. And mm-hmm. a game that was so boring, like I talked about during gameplay, you add in these boring elevator music type of songs. And it's like, what are you trying to do here? Are you trying to like literally make this as dull as possible? That's how I felt. You guys I, disagree. Yeah, I'm going to have to like 100% disagree with you okay. on that. Just because I I love the soundtrack in this game. Okay. I absolutely love it. And I think during those times when it's it's slow, especially you, you get a lot more of it in the beginning parts of the game, uh, especially before you cross the ocean. Yes. Um, it starts playing these songs from these bands. Um, like uh, I think Silent Poets is one of the name and Low Roar is another one. But there was it, a Bring Me to the Horizon song, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. Um but you notice during these parts, the camera zooms out and and gives you a greater scope, greater view of the world around you. Yes. It, it, I found that it paired really well to giving me an opportunity just to walk and look around and just kind of be at, at peace. I don't have a whole lot of like HUD in front of me to kind of sure. obscure the beautiful scenery that was created for the game. And I found I found like it, it was like good hiking music to me is, is kind of how I looked at a lot of them. Like I'm just able to hike around and, and, and do it. And one of the best songs on the soundtrack is the one it happens in the end credits. Uh, but I remember listening to it a lot before the game even came out. It's from one of my favorite bands, which is churches. Uh, and the song is called just death stranding, but it's such just this powerful, optimistic song that I think I like, I was looking for the song the entire game and when he puts it at the end, it, it makes sense that it's at the end for me. And it, that's my favorite song. But like overall, as far as the soundtrack goes and, 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 and the music and everything, um, I know he worked really hard on on finding the right tone for this. Mm-hmm. And I think he did really well. Um, yeah, and he's, I, he's, he's been really good with, with music in the past. Like he, he had uh, in his Metal Gear games, he had Harry Gregson Williams do a lot of the soundtrack, which he's. That guy's known for like really action packed, uh, like Ridley or Tony Scott films. That oh, he's okay, cool. In the stuff, so yeah, yeah. Like I said, for me, is like exemplified the the melancholy slash bore boringness. Go ahead, Justin. Um, all, all I was going to say is like I I, I I I'm kind of two minds of it because I did appreciate the kind of when you're coming up to the end of an objective, basically, or like a bit to start a long trek is when these songs would show up. Um, uh, I appreciated them, 
but almost as a sense of like, okay, <laughs> this is going to sound bad, but like, oh, something's happening. <laughs> um, because unfortunately for, for me, when those tracks weren't playing, the like ambient noises or like the ambient soundtrack didn't really work for me because I mean, we've had examples of open world games that have like a minuscule soundtrack in the background. Like look at the breath of the wild, for example, or God of war or God of war. Like there isn't really anything happening, like huge happening, but it's still there and it's like light enough, but it still like carries, carries you on. Whereas I I found this was just kind of like, it almost like it it's it's almost like it wanted to double down on being alone so it was like depressing in a way um but, yeah. but when it but when it played those songs like the little roar song and the church's song it, it it did let up a little bit while it is not my taste of music i did enjoy it because it was like okay there's something here yeah, and like I don't know, like I'm a big Radiohead fan. Like Radiohead's probably goes back to the Suspiria episode. Probably the only person who liked Tom York's <laughs> soundtrack to the Suspiria. But like, I'm cool with this kind of music. But for me, I think it just coupled with like the melancholy music, just coupled with the monotony of doing these treks. And like I said, I turned the volume down, which is a pretty big indictment for me. But again, that's my own personal preference. Any last thoughts on audio before we head to how scary? I mean, I, I will say, uh, other than uh, Norman Reedus, I think the like the voice casting and even like the acting itself mm-hmm. is outstanding in this. But outstanding, it, it 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 is really hurt by the fact that Norman Reedus is basically a wet blanket at most mm-hmm. times in this game. Um, I don't know, but it, it, Ginge, it, yeah. I, I, I would, yeah, the last thing I'll say is I wish that with some, how Kojima allowed for the likenesses of some of his friends and, and people in the industry to be put on these characters, I wish the voices would have been included too. Because it's, it's really odd to me. Um, You guys remember we, we, we watched the Game Awards together, right? Yes. Um, So the host of the Game Awards, Jeff Keighley, is in Death Stranding. And so is Conan O'Brien. I remember that. Yeah, Conan O'Brien is in Death Stranding. Where's Conan? He's the cosplayer, I believe. Yeah, yeah. He's a a cosplayer. He's one of the side people. But I can't remember if if Conan's voice is used. Yes, Conan's is used. Okay, Conan's is, but Jeff Keighley's is not. Um... Hideo Kojima put himself in the game, which he does that all the time. Yeah, he puts though. himself in all of his games. <laughs> he puts himself in there somehow. But yeah, um, the the current, I think he's the CEO of of PlayStation Studios now, Herman. Hugh, oh man, I, I'm gonna uh, he, Her, Herman Schultz. I think that's what it is. He he used to be the creative director of Horizon Zero Dawn, and now he's the guy that oversees all things PlayStation Studios now. He's in the game. Um, I I just wish that maybe they had they had Her, given it Herman Holst. Holst. They I knew it was two H's. <laughs> um, I wish that they maybe they just threw hit their voices in there too. I know it's sort of like a thing where it's like, okay, well, you know, you're my friend, so I'm gonna make somebody look like you in this video game. Like, you know, just just do that last little bit and just just go ahead and throw their voice in there too. Why not? Do you? I mean, I know voice called? acting is. Do you, Do you remember like what those people are called? The like, settlers, 
in the game? Yeah, they're like bu- not bunkerers. They're uh... oh um, no, I don't. I, I couldn't. I, I used to call them settlers. That's what they were reminding me of is like people with a frontiersman going out there and setting yeah, up shop. Yeah, and we yeah. got to connect them all. Oh, but yeah, because yeah, because they because they were ahead of everybody. Like yeah. they yeah. were the, the first expedition. Yeah, they're they're preppers. Okay. All right. So for me, when it comes to audio, there's a lot of really strong performances. But Norman Reedus being the main and being, like Justin has said, very succinctly, succinctly uh, a wet blanket. And then the soundtrack being so boring that I turned it down to listen to podcasts while I walked around. I gave it a five. Uh, Justin. Uh, I actually gave it a six. Uh, I, again, I, I think all the voice acting and acting itself is phenomenal. But when put up against... Uh, also, I think I said wet tofu in there somewhere too. You uh, did. <laughs> um, I couldn't think of wet blanket. Okay, <laughs> leave me alone. It's well. all good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, put up against that. I, I think it really does hurt it. And Marcus, I want to give it an eight and a half because I'm considering the music and all of it, and I, I think I think the audio is probably some of the best parts of it. Okay. How scary! You have been ridiculed for your first two picks, Marcus, on this podcast. Tell us about how scary you found this game. Not very. I'm just, I'm not even going to try to sugarcoat <laughs> this game. There, there may have been times like little, oh shit moments, you know, yeah, um, like, well, like, like when you think you're in the clear and then all of a sudden you see a rainbow and you're like, okay, here we go. <laughs> Full disclosure, rainbow is mean. It's about to do the rain thing, which means the yep. BTs start coming out. But the BTs themselves, I, we've already kind of said this once in the gameplay, but the, the BTs just aren't, they aren't scary. They're, they're, they're a nuisance. Um, I found, especially on my second playthrough, I just loaded up on blood bombs and I just, yeah. I would just kill them and farm them. Um, the boss battles, the big BT boss battles were stressful. Mm-hmm. Because that involves a lot of running around and, 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 it, they're these giant creatures. And if you do happen to get caught by a regular BT to the point where it does spawn an actual BT, like big BT enemy, mm-hmm. and you have to sprint away from that, that's kind of, that's stressful for sure. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the very giant BT you fight at the end, like with Troy Baker, like that, that's a big moment where you're like, how am I supposed, how am I Mr. Little Norman Reedus? <laughs> Am I supposed to fight this giant thing? Like, I don't have My favorite BT boss battle is like the very yeah. end after your trek back across the country in the whale. Oh, yeah. That yeah, was sure. very cool. But from a scary perspective, no. I, it, it doesn't scare me. Like, just because I get stressed out because of a thing does not mean that I'm scared of it. It just, it, it means like I'm not doing something. If I'm losing to this boss battle, it means I'm doing something wrong. I'm not yeah. scared of it. Like, nothing jumped out at me nothing nothing terrified me about it 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 was more of like a hurdle that i knew i was going to have to face at some point so yeah i don't i don't think this game is is really that scary well you justin oh i mean i don't think it was scary at all um okay yeah uh, i i mean there's unfortunately there's not really much to add like i even tried to like make it worse for myself and i started killing mules and stuff um, oh really yeah just to see because i'd never actually figured out what happened um mm-hmm. so i killed a mule in the first part of the game 
And by the time I had finished, nothing had happened. Okay. So I'm not sure. Take him to the incinerator. I I literally left his body there, and every like <laughs> hour or two, Die Hardman would come on and say like, "Time to deal with that body," <laughs> but I would never deal. And with before it. and before Peta comes after this podcast, we're not discussing actual mules. The mules oh, yes. act yes. yes. for for, for Human an enemy in the game. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so I, I did do that, and then uh, I actually went and reloaded the game to die myself uh, from a BT to see what the void it would look like. But um, I, I tried to do it by the incinerator to see if it would, like, take out part of a building. Unfortunately, yeah. like, it always makes sure it pulls you for far away that it only, like, touches the outside. It, it, so it, it can, like, put a hole in a, a mountain, but I, I don't think it'll actually ever, like get rid of anything important gotcha uh but yeah i don't don't know it wasn't very scary but yeah so for me starting out i was very intrigued because like the opening sequence when you get pulled into the cave with fragile and like the things walking around you like i thought oh wow this is going to be a lot scarier than i thought in that first fight you don't know what the hell is going on with the bts right and you get sucked into it and this is the like the hands coming out of the ground like it was kind of spooky but then, like Ginger said, it's a nuisance by the end. It's not really anything. Um, the two things for me that actually ended up with me giving him a couple points for is I talked about it in gameplay, Vietnam and World War One. Like I felt like that was so cinematic and it captured it so well. I was really impressed. And just being like a having gone to West Point and being kind of a student of like military history and stuff, that's like some real dark stuff. Like what happened is really dark. That kind of, then playing this like in a, towards the end of a pandemic, right? And the isolation, which is definitely something I struggled with during the pandemic a lot. And I don't know. I think there's a lot of stuff here. I think that it is by no means the scariest thing we play on the podcast, but it was a lot scarier than I, w- I was prepared for it to be. So... With all that being said, I gave it a three because there was some elements there and I was impressed by it. And maybe it's because the Giver and <laughs> Rampage were so not scary that I was willing to give us a little bit more of a bone. But yeah, I, I gave it a three. Justin? Oh, I gave it a one. And Marcus? I'll give it a three as well. And then are we all in agreement? I think you nailed it. I think this is a Kaiju game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Or like I was, mad I was scientists, maybe? That was the only thing, but I, I don't think scientists started the B, the first BT phenomenon, did they? No. Yeah, I don't think they did either. I think it was like the extinction level events, cyclical kind of cycle thing that kind of caused it. Yeah. Yeah. So kaiju, yeah. I was right. I was worried out that how well it would fit into a kaiju theme, but I think you nailed I it. About it. Yeah, yeah. I said I maybe because after the Giver, I was so ready for it to be like. Witches or something, <laughs> but, but you 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 nailed it. To summarize the scores for plot, I gave it a seven and a half. Justin gave it a three. Marcus gave it an eight for gameplay. I gave it a three and a half. Justin gave it a four. Marcus gave it a seven for audio. I gave it a five. Justin gave it a six, and Marcus gave it an eight and a half. And for how scary, I gave it a three. Justin gave it a one, and Ginger gave it a three. That gives it a here's Johnny final score of a fifty. Hey, that's okay. that's out of the bottom ten. I know that. Without a doubt, it is. Oh, absolutely. In our master list, it falls between a movie and a, a TV series. <coughs> Excuse me, or a TV series episode. 
it is right. It is tied with Three from Hell, the sequel to Devil's Rejects that never needed to be made and me and Rachel had to suffer through. And right above One Day at Horrorland, an episode that Justin recommended for the Kaiju season, which was probably one of my more favorite episodes. Yeah, Video game-wise, right above it is System Shock 2 with a 56%, and right below it is Phantasmagoria. Phantasmagoria? Phantasmagoria, of Flesh. yeah. Um, yeah, so that's all we have for Death Stranding. We're going to play a commercial from the That's Not How Science Works podcast of the Kaleidoscope Media Network, and then head on into the closing. Do you ever watch a horror movie and think, oh, wow, that headshot didn't have nearly enough blood? Don't the writers know that 20% of your blood is in your head? Are you the type of person that tells your friends, well, why yes, in space no one can hear you scream because the molecules are too far apart to transmit sound waves? Does it seriously annoy you when a horror movie doesn't explain its rules to you or claims to have horror rules and then just ignores them? Do you ever express these concerns to your friends who tell you that you should stop worrying so much because it's just a horror movie, Sam? Then stop lecturing your friends about physics and come listen to our podcast. That's Not How Science Works, which I co-host with my awesome friend, Nicole. In our podcast, Caitlin and I discuss science in different pieces of media, such as movies or TV shows, in various genres, and dissect whether that science is good, bad, or just plain ridiculous. Often, we also have special guests who help us rant about bad science in their areas of expertise. We release new episodes every other Monday, and you can find us wherever you usually download your podcasts. We like to think of this as a podcast for the science curious. Whether you're Sam with a dedicated YouTube channel complaining about bad science and horror movies, or just like to learn things while listening to friends banter about what they watched that week, we'd love for you to listen in. You can find out more by going to our website, thatsnotscience.com, or by looking us up on Twitter at TNHSWPod. We hope you give us a listen. Now back to your regularly scheduled horror enthusiasts, Larry and Justin, and that's definitely a word that's a real word and not a word that I just made up, and whatever terrifying thing they're discussing that would probably give me daymares for a week. All right. Well, most importantly, as we wrap this up, we want to thank you, Marcus, for being one of our bigger supporters. Yes, thank you. And I know we've we've razzed you about some of the choices and the pain it's put (laughs) us through, especially trying to just find the Giver. But, oh my god, I forgot. That was like impossible to fucking find. I know, that was ridiculous. I could not believe what that hunt was. But no, man, we appreciate it. And like I said, I even though Chester turned those texts off and I had frustrations, like I had fun talking about it. And I think that's awesome because it's not a lot of times we get video games that have a lot more going on than like, especially in the horror genre, right? It's more about to try to scare you. So this was a lot of fun to like kind of dive into a lot more. So I really appreciate your selection. Yeah. And, yeah, well, and, and it, it's, <laughs> um, all, all I was going to say is like, well, yeah, obviously I didn't enjoy it. Uh, I, I think this is definitely a game for like a certain type of person. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, you, like I, I would take my opinion with a grain of salt because I know there are a lot of people who enjoy this game. Well, I think the other thing, too, to keep in mind, Justin, is you are a big Kojima fan, and this was, like you told me, you're probably your least favorite Kojima game that yes. you've played. Yeah. So I think that's something to keep in mind, too. It's similar to, like, if I could go see a Tarantino movie, which I really like Tarantino. Like, Jackie Brown, I don't like Jackie Brown. It's probably my least favorite Tarantino movie, but it's because the other ones are just so much different than that. Yeah. 
Um, but Marcus, do you want to plug whatever you want? You can plug your Twitch or your podcast, whatever you want to do, you can go for it. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on all the social medias at uh, just Ginger Thrust. Um, I stream on Twitch anywhere from four to five days a week. Uh, that's just Twitch tot twitch.tv slash ginger thrust you can find me playing uh, what i said i played before a lot of destiny a lot of apex legends dead by daylight a lot of single player games that kind of thing um and then finally i am actually one third of a three-man podcast myself uh known as xp galore um where we pick a game to play for about a month um and we spend the episodes just playing the game uh, and we we broad stroke some gaming news that might be just front and center, and then we just we find some sort of topic to mm. sort of discuss for about thirty minutes to an hour. And it's it's extremely random stuff, but and it used to only of, be on YouTube, but you've ported it now. You can listen to other uh, podcast yeah, yeah. platforms, so, right? So we we've been we've been uploading the episodes to Buzzsprout now. Um, this most recent um, we call them every every game we choose we call it a season, but this most recent one um, we. I don't think I would be able to do that because um, it's it's so just it, it wouldn't benefit from doing an audio only to be honest. But um, mm. but yeah, so uh, we're on Buzzsprout now, so you can just find us at xpglore.buzzsprout.com if you want the audio only versions. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it for me, gentlemen. All right, perfect. So next week, guys, we have another Patreon Force episode. Um, same tier, so he'll be joining us. It's Alex Encumbers from Forever Classic Gaming. It will be our first anime ever being reviewed in the podcast. It is called Blood Sea. You can find it on Funimation. Uh, thank you, Justin, again no for problem. that. Um, any last thoughts, Jay, before we get out of here? I'm really excited that we get Spiral next Tuesday. That's basically what, <laughs> what's keeping me going at this point. I'm, yeah, I'm so tired, but Spiral next Tuesday. All right, perfect. All right, guys, thank you so much. Thank you again, Marcus. And until next time, stay scary. The Here's Johnny podcast is brought to you by Larry and Justin. You can find the show on Twitter at Here's Johnny Cast, and you can find Larry at beaver la you can find justin at pickle thing and you can email the show at here's johnny podcast at gmail.com you can look us up on facebook at here's johnny podcast as always in the show notes you can find links to the discord and to the website we are also on instagram at here's johnny underscore podcast also in the show notes we'll have a link to the twitch and youtube channels and if you would like to support the show you can head on over to patreon.com slash here's johnny podcast every cent goes into the show and yeah, we just really use it to make the show better. Again, I just want to say thank you very much to our patrons. Uh, you guys help make this possible. But yeah, Patreon is the way we support the show. We aren't looking to get rich. And like Justin said, every dollar, every cent, it all goes back in. There's some pretty cool tiers. So head on and look at that. But until next week, see you guys later.